Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 230, and man, are we fired up to talk fantasy football. We know, we apologize, it's been a while since you've had a heavy, thank God our man Mo's been holding us down with those Pyro Podcast lights. We're actually not all together today, Uh, we're doing this on a new little format, uh, Zencaster, so I've got uh, Stag Party in on the mix with me on this show, and I've got Pyromaniac Mo as well. And both Mo's at his house, Stag's at his house, and I'm sitting at my place in Michigan. And um, we're we're gonna talk the goo. We're gonna drop today's show. It's gonna be post OTAs, who's hot and who's not show. Essentially, in the show, you know, there's a lot of the off season. Uh, uh, OTAs were happening and the teams have all kind of seen their new rookies, seen some of their toys veterans are coming in, we've got fantasy football consequences that are happening left and right, so there are guys that are mostly getting talked up because that's just coach speak and that's what happens around this time of the year, but we're also going to bring you the other side of it and some red flags or some things that we're seeing so what's up Stag Party, how you doing Mo, you guys ready to talk post OTAs, who's hot and who's not always, always of course, always something kicking in the world of the NFL. Yeah, they don't mess around, do they? Uh, so essentially what we're going to do is we're just going to go through the AFC first and do it by AFC uh, East, then North, then we're doing South, and then AFC West, and then we'll hop over to NFC. And if we bring up a team and we really don't have anything to say about them, we're just going to move on because uh, we're going to try and keep this thing in in around two hours. So hopefully everything sounds good. There's not too much of a delay, but it's kind of nice. We all have real busy schedules during the summer, so to be able to record some of these shows remotely um, is going to have to happen here and there. So much love to you guys. Again, we apologize. The heavy's been on a little bit of a couple-week hiatus. Uh, so what do you guys think? You know, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. Um what what are your what are your OTs? What are you taking away from the OTs on them? Other than the fact that it's a real family affair with the Ryan's, you know, not much has been coming out. The Bills sort of did something weird and blocked out all of their media from pretty much all of off season practices. 
You know, they're going to block him out of training camp. They're not really giving him a lot of information this offseason. We'll see if that's something that works out. But this team's going to be one that is a run-based team that's going to rely on a defense that hopefully needs to, you know, play better after sort of a disappointing run last year. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's going to be a good thing for Bill's fans. It's exciting. Uh, they got some gadgets and some cool toys there. And I really got my eye on Carlos Williams. He's a kid who did phenomenally well last year. Something like 8 out of 11 games had over 100 yards or a touchdown. Um, I think McCoy could easily, we've all seen him do it before, sort of talk himself into the doghouse. And I think Williams could capitalize. And I think even Williams standalone, I think he's going to, earn some carry time, and I think he's going to be a good value. Uh, Also looking at Charles Clay, because, I mean, Robert Woods, they talk about him, but I don't think there's a real solid pass catcher number two. You can argue Woods, but I think Clay might be a sneaky pickup, might be a decent um, performer, not week in, week out, but I think he could be a streaming tight end that could win you some weeks or, or give you some help. The only, the only thing I'll say is that what I'm hearing out of the OTAs is that uh, the guy that we're all kind of like, Carlos Williams, uh, he's blaming it on his pregnant wife, but it looks like he's pregnant too. Uh, Carlos Williams came in fat. Uh, so I think right now, uh, while I don't disagree that LaShawn McCoy can fight, talk, and injure himself out of uh, any sort of uh, week-to-week playing in fantasy football, and I love Carlos Williams, Right now, the coaching staff ain't too happy with them, and when you got fat guys like the Ryans that are mad at you about weight, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. There's that, and then there was that Sammy Watkins injury that we haven't really addressed yet, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a major sort of proponent of their offense because down the stretch, he was the real sort of game changer and playmaker that made things happen deep down the field um, that took this offense sort of to new heights down the stretch. You know, they're all saying he's going to be back you know, with plenty of time left in training camp for him to still get some run. He should be back in plenty of time and healthy and just running like he's been. And if he's healthy, he's a dynamic player. And him and Tyrod seem to have a nice connection there at the end of the season. They've got weapons there. The question is the depth. Right. And with Watkins, um, earlier, you know, when he's been injured, he's been really reticent, I think, to give a timetable on his return. He seems pretty positive. The stuff I've heard coming from him, he's, he's probably going to miss some training camp time, but he seems positive. He, he likes the way the recovery is going. So I think from his vantage point, it sounds positive. It sounds good. But like you say, lack of depth there uh, for Tyrod. But, boy, you know, I'm going to talk about it with Denver. But you remember this time last year? When we all had, I don't know, EJ Manuel uh, on our, our tiers, and Rex was saying, "Hey, kind of like this kid from OTAs, uh, Tyrod Taylor," and look what it became. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, I think the, I saw a funny thing with Trey Wingo on the, uh, about the NFL. Uh, where Rex Ryan said they've won the offseason, and uh, it, it really does seem like the exact opposite. You, we can't forget Percy Harvin retired. Uh, so not that he really did all that much for them in the in the season that he was there, but that definitely brings an element uh, where he's gone now. You've got the injury to Wat, uh, Watkins. Uh, who knows what's going to be up? They've obviously got a great running attack, and uh, we know Stag Party loves his uh, 
loves his Tyrod T-Mobile, as you love to call him. So we'll see. They uh, they they were mid-lean on in offense and mid-lean in defense pretty much last year. So let's see if uh, if they can become better. Uh, and I'm really keeping my eye on Wat, uh, Watkins, who seems to still be having a pretty high uh, ADP that uh, is enough to scare me off, which is a bummer because I was ready to I was ready to dive in with the guy this year. Should we move on to the next team? Let's hit it. Let's do it. Miami Dolphins. All right. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about those guys down there. Obviously, new coaching uh, staff. Everyone says Gase looks ready. Gase has been prepared. Gase is going to be the man. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Miami? Miami. There's a couple different question marks about. Uh, first, today, they're talking about how bad Ryan Tannehill has sort of looked in terms of accuracy. Then they've got the Jay Ajayi, you know, can he catch the football, which seems like a preposterous thing to say. Um, then Kenyon Drake had an injury there at the last week of OTAs, and he's going to miss some time. And he, uh, he should be back for training camp, but he's a guy with a litany of injuries over the last couple years, seven or eight documented injuries. Uh, and then for pass catchers, the hype is, you know, moving Devontae Parker to the slot and making sure they get him uh, some play in, in the slot and put him in favorable matchup situations. So all those things are kind of coming together, and we got to see how this offense shakes out. Yeah, I'm excited to see Ajahi with Gase. Um, you know, I'm not convinced that that's the only uh, running game that they're going to have. Uh, I think they might bring in another uh, running running back there in Miami, but even if it is just uh, what they've got, Drake and Ajahi, I like Ajahi uh, for where he's going. I don't have the ADP in front of me. I'm, I think it's right around fifth round, which is some uh, pretty good value right now for Ajahi, especially if they don't go with someone. But he's one that I'm kind of um, eyeing, or at least Miami is a team that I'm eyeing because they could bring in another running back. I don't think that is uh, exactly the the duo that Gase and the coaching staff are going to feel most comfortable with. Uh, but if not, I think Ajahi could be great for fantasy. Yeah. Uh, the real question is, is Tannehill going to sort of take a step forward under Gase like so many other quarterbacks have before him, or maybe just Jay Cutler? It's hard to say Peyton Manning took a step forward, but, you know, he had his best season of his career of the history of the NFL, you know, with Gase sort of calling the shots there. So, you know, what is Gase going to do for the accuracy of Ryan Tannehill, whether it's both short and deep? We know this is a team that struggles to sort of stretch the field vertically. Um, Devontae Parker's a guy who sort of helped them make some vertical plays last year. Can Tannehill take another step forward and therefore help, you know, Devontae Parker and his sort of immense talent level uh, when healthy? Cool. Well, for me, it's all about Landry, and it's all about what part Devontae Parker's going to be able to do in his sophomore season. Obviously, if you don't have got a guy who can get, get, get you the ball, it's going to be problematic. We know that Landry's going to be doing it on the short game and get peppered with uh, targets, and we don't know what to exactly expect from Devontae, uh, but I'm high on him. I think I'm going to roll the dice on him. Let's see if, uh, if this offense can put some points up. And uh, I'm a little more worried and concerned about the running game. And just uh, I think Gase is going to start just chucking it. Uh, and the question I got for you guys is, Miami going to be a good team? Is their defense going to be any good? Are they going to have to pass to stay in games? Or are they better than I, I'm giving them credit for? I think they're a middling team. It sort of seems like that's been their sort of MO for a while there. They're, they're, 
they're like a seven and nine, eight and eight team every sort of year. Um, and with Tom Brady ruling the division, I don't see very much changing for them. I think their defense could be a little bit better, but you know their cornerbacks are maybe one of the most suspect groups in the league. Yeah, we're gonna miss. They're gonna miss Miko Grimes down there. <laughs> Tannehill. Uh, it just hasn't progressed the way many ha- have thought he would. He's He's been pretty consistently bad the last few years. Uh, last year, they were 27th in points per game, uh, 26th in yards per game. And, of course, we know Tannehill doesn't have an arm for going down the field. Hopefully, uh, the hope there is, I think, if they can get it going with the ground game, Gase, and, uh, like I say, hopefully it's a Jahi that's good for fantasy for the real NFL, I think they're going to want to bring in someone else. But if they can keep it with the Jahi and get a little balance there, build something off the ground game, I think they might be able to sell some play action and get it going. Uh, not deep down the field, but something that Tannehill's more comfortable with. But yeah, still kind of a middling team, tough division for him to move up. Gotcha. Well, let's move on to the New York Jets, Jets, Jets. We know PK Ripper right now is fired up. He's driving around an Uber. He's He's got some a couple hotties in there, and he's talking up Pyro, and he's getting fired up for his squad. So let's let's talk. I don't have that much to say about him, to be honest. They're saying they're telling. Um, I read today or last night, I believe they're telling Brandon Marshall he's got to lose a little bit of weight, and uh, they haven't signed Fitzpatrick. So it's a team that I'm a little worried about. What do you What are you guys expecting? Is Forte um, ADP, which looks real nice and favorable, looks kind of like a guy that I might be targeting. Is he going to have a good season, or uh, is he is he bound for uh, mediocrity in the fantasy realm this year? Well, with the quarterback position, I've you know heard analysts, and I've been one to say they're going to get him. They're going to get Fitz Magic back. Uh, this is just posturing. But I'm starting to get a little worried. I was earlier in the summer. I was 99% sure they're going to get Fitz back. Now I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they would want to go with anybody else. Hackenberg's not going to be ready. Petty, Smith. So that, to me, if they want to contend, and they easily could, they were, I think, almost one game out of the playoffs last year. If they want to contend, they got to get Fitz back. I don't think it's, he's going to repeat the fantasy success he had last year, but as a team, that's their hope. The one I'm really on the fence with is Forte. I believe since he's been in the league, he's been a top 12 fantasy back. He's been RB number one. However, what do you think, Staggs? I'm I'm kind of on the fence with him. I think I would rather jump off early than hang on too late. My question is, is this the year to jump off Forte, or has he just been so consistent? How can you jump off him? I, I'm leery that he's switched teams. Uh, that doesn't always bode well. And he is getting up there. Plus, they've got a guy who catches in Bilal Powell that they really like. And that's, of course, a big part of what Forte brings to the table. So I'm curious, Staggs, as to what you think. With Forte, I think there's a couple different aspects. I think his price is discounted enough, uh, being in the fourth or fifth round, where he's always been a first or second rounder, that people are assuming you know some regression. And that's good. That, that gives you some room. That gives you some wiggle room. He's going to be a guy who gets... You know, plenty of carries, but is he going to get valuable carries? And is he going to get, you know, 80-plus catches? He's been a guy who's gotten 60-plus catches in in each of the last four years. So is he going to go down in that number in all respects? Um, 
he's going to be fine, though. I, I like him as a mid-round, you know, a mid-RB2. I think you're gonna, you've are gonna, you got some safety with the play. I like his... The thing is, I'm also worried about those red zone carries. He's never been a great guy in the red zone. He's never been a great guy in short yardage. And if Kiri can just prove to come in and be a hammer, sort of a la Chris Ivory on limited carries, that, that could be something that's damaging to Forte more so than even losing some catches. Yeah, I, I, I want to keep an eye on this guy and see what Forte brings to the table, see what how the pieces finally fall into place. Uh, again, I'm not positive about what my thoughts are on Forte, but his ADP, he's going in a nice spot. for the. Well, he has been a great player for, like I said, the last 10, 12 years, whatnot. Uh, right now you're seeing that you can get him in the third and fourth round, so it looks pretty good. I like the look of that if I'm, if I'm piling up on uh, some wide receivers early, as I expect. Definitely, definitely. Uh, besides that, the passing game shouldn't change much. Uh, they're talking up Jason Morrow, and they're talking up all, all these other tight ends. But this is a team that averaged like one fantasy points to tight ends last season, mostly because of the Amaro injury. And Amaro's a guy they expect to play on the inside in the slot a lot. Uh, just out of sort of you know pure necessity, they like the bigger slot. They like having sort of Quincy and Noonan there last year, sort of filling that sort of role. But with the two sort of behemoths on the outside, these guys are going to soak up a lot of targets. The rest of the team, you know, isn't very much fantasy worthy in my respects. And it's looking like Devin Smith is probably going to start on the pup list. It's not guaranteed, but it's really looking that way. Um, Of course, he was a rookie last year. I got him in my dynasty. Didn't really do much, but I don't know if that offense can support too many besides they've got two backs now coming out of the backfield. They've even got Robinson there, Curie Robinson. And then of course, Marshall and Decker. So I don't know how much uh, larger that pie can grow, but uh, if it's not Smith, if you're in a deeper league, like you said, in Nunwa, if you're in 16 uh, roster leagues or something, they got uh, the ghost of 10 Kenbrell Tompkins, uh, former, formerly from the Patriots. So, um, but like I said, that's not a huge role uh, in that offense, or it wasn't last year. So if you are in those r- rookie leagues and you're hoping to see something from Devin, it's not going to be till later in the season, most likely. I mean, especially he only caught nine of 28 targets last year. He's just a guy who struggled mightily coming off a major injury. He's a guy I'm avoiding completely in redraft. For He's sure. a guy who will be on uh, waiver wires early in the season. Let's hit up this next team. Let's hit up the Patriots. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys feel on our resident uh, Patriot lover, uh, D-Rex? What do you believe? I'm worried. Uh, there's no question about it. I'm a little worried about them. Um, there's the Tom Brady got still in court. Uh, probably going to miss the first four games. Edelman probably isn't going to do much this offseason uh, trying to fix this, uh, this, this hurt injury of his. Uh, who knows what what Martellus Bennett brings to the table? Uh, yeah, what's uh, Blount still isn't going to participate? Didn't do anything. Still kind of uh, dealing with that knee injury. Who knows, man? This team's getting older. Uh, I'm, I, I think, in all honesty, this is a team for the first year. And I know I'm, I'm going to give you your opportunity to talk more about Lewis and whatnot. But this is going to be a team that I just kind of think that this year, uh, unless. Brady really falls, I'm going to kind of stay clear of. Personally, uh, you brought up Lewis a little bit. I really like Lewis. I'm not on the blunt campaign whatsoever. Of course, with Lewis, you've got that injury. But, man, 
What we saw of him when he was on the field was just fantastic, especially PPR. But even if not, he's the type of back that you can uh, plug in, in in standard leagues and still do really well with. Type of back you could get if you're going wide receiver early and often. Mainly, I think the thing that's going to hit most fantasy owners is the Tom Brady thing. And I saw CBS guys saying this. Uh, I've seen some other folks say this, that Tom Brady's such a good quarterback that pick someone else up for your first four weeks and then go ahead and throw in Brady in there. The thing I believe that they're overlooking is the waiver wire gold that is the first four weeks of the season. If I've got to carry a quarterback for those first four weeks that I'm not going to use later, that's just a dead roster spot that I'm not going to be able to go grab a guy in the first four weeks. So I think that's really where it hurts you. Not the fact that you've got Brady to, to come out later. We've all seen, what, there was like 41 quarterbacks last year that scored uh, top 12 at their position. Uh, so you can stream very easily if your late rounder doesn't pick uh, work it out for you. But I'm not going to carry Brady and carry somebody else for the first month of the season and take up that roster spot i don't think it's worth it is there a pickup you can make that's going to be better than tom brady (laughs) is there well (laughs) considering brady if you look at what brady does versus some other quarterbacks and considering when running backs get hurt yeah i think if you view it positionally yes i think there is certainly a quarter or a running back out there that you could get uh that is more heavily favored than some of the other running backs versus Brady versus other quarterbacks. We've seen the quarterback position. Like I said, 41 quarterbacks last year scored in the top 12. It's just not that uh, important of a position, and you can do it with other guys, whereas the running backs, to me, that is the the gold. Everyone's getting injured. I think there is going to be a dragon, 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 dragon down my roster. The thing is, Brady over the first eight weeks of the season averaged eight fantasy points more than every other quarterback in the league until his guys started going down. Before Deion Lewis started going down. Brady was just so good last season when he had all his pieces in place, and I don't think that's sort of going to change. Uh, I think you can carry him, you know, definitely. You might have to make sacrifices on your roster to do it, but if you plan ahead, uh, and you can still stream, you can still pick up a guy and play that sort of game. Um, there's just a lot of different options with Brady. You can get a mid-tier quarterback and then have Tom Brady come in for, you know, a stretch run where he can he can carry a team, uh, you know, including the Patriots. He can carry your fantasy team. Um, I, just ho- I just hope they don't wait till so long and r- hurt us fantasy owners this year like they did last year, where it was like right after most drafts we're done, oh, Tom Brady, he can play. And then you're just like, what the hell? Just figure it out now. And let's 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 just not let the let's not have this issue drag out and 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 be like right before the season starts. Oh, here's what's going on. You know, it's just not fair to us. So let's move on to the AFC North. Unless oh, you got something else on the on the Patriots next? Yeah, I got one real thing. Okay. Uh, Chris Hogan's been their, one of their best players in OTAs. They're saying he's out there making every catch. He's always open. They're just talking him up so much. So if you're looking for the Patriots wide receiver to target after Edelman, I definitely think that guy's Chris Hogan. And you can definitely get him later in drafts. Um, 
you know, he's going as like a wide receiver five, wide receiver six right now. So plan on, you know, maybe making him a late target. Um, you can get him at pick 173, wide receiver 58, uh, according to Fantasy Pros. I like that. I like that. All right. And AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, we got Dalton back. Every everyone's talking Dalton up, including Brandon LaFell, who says this guy's the real deal. Um, we talk about it every show. We know there's a lot of open targets that are happening um, that were supposed to be filled with obviously AJ Green and then um, our boy Eifert, but our boy Eifert is now out for three months. What are your thoughts on 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 this team from a wide receiver position first, and then uh, let's do our quick discussion on on Gio, Gio Bernard and, and Hill and who you're liking this year out of those two guys? Well, on wide receivers, or pass catchers, I should say, Eifert is concerning. Uh, he could easily, and I'm not just talking about the injury, touchdown, from 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 touchdowns. That was the highest percentage due to touchdowns across any position touchdowns are volatile it is not going to happen again he did it on only uh, uh, 66 targets I want to say and I think I'm going to be very leery of Eifert especially just because he's going so high yeah Eifert's got some drawbacks in terms of regression but there's also a chance for added catches and added yards to sort of balance that out should he stay healthy uh the rest of the questions Basically, Brandon LaFell is out there talking up Andy Dalton like he's Tom Brady. Uh, Brandon LaFell could not catch passes from Tom Brady last season, and that concerns the crap out of me. So you've got guys like Tyler Boyd, uh, Jake Kumaro, who's a local Chicago kid, went to, I think, South Elgin, um, who's on their practice squad that they're expecting to make the team and sort of make an impact out there. So... He, he's sort of an interesting real deep sleeper, especially your feelings on you know Tyler Boyd. People have mixed mixed feelings on him. He's sort of a precise route runner without very much athletic ability, but he was able to get open a ton at the college level, catch a ton of passes, and I'm pretty sure he's the Pennsylvania high school state leader in, in career touchdowns with like 115. Well, he, he broke – at Pitt, he broke a lot of uh... – I think most of Larry Fitzgerald's receiving records. So, like you said, he probably he did it. He did it consistently over four years, and um, it whenever it kind of happens in the NFL, I'm starting to realize. And, and, and your boy Dave T. Thomas uh, Mo, uh, he he's really like this. You know, just once the pads get on, and you're not mm. doing the underwear Olympics, and once you're really playing football, there are certain guys that are just great football players that get it done when the when the when, when the games are going and everyone's padded up. And and it, it, Larry Fitzgerald was one of those guys himself, even coming out of college and uh, heading into the pros. And look what he's been able to do. Obviously, he was a third overall pick, I believe, so he was a highly, highly coveted player, but at the same time, people were like, does this guy have the actual physical gifts to be able to do it? And there are certain players that maybe like Boyd, we're yet to be determined, but I like his opportunity, that might just be one of those football players that uh, isn't perfect and doesn't have all, all the, uh, the, the speed of the gods, his dog would say, um, but, you know, when it comes time, he's going to be ready and, and actually be that, finally, that complimentary wide receiver to A.J. Green. Well, and I think, it, like you say, when it comes time, 
I think it could take a while for that time to mature, for him to mature. One reason I'm really liking AJ Green. I fade, 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 with the injury concern, of course, you got Bernard coming out of the backfield, but I know I've got him rated highest in our fourth version of the the draft kit. I think I've got AJ at five. He's not a sexy pick. Nobody's going to ooh and awe in your draft, but I think uh, people might be snoozing on, on him a little bit this year just for the fact I think he's going to get a larger target share. I'm with you on that. Uh, as for the backfield between Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, I don't see much of a difference. I think they're pretty much going to operate the same as they operated last year. He's going to get those high-volume red zone uh, rushes in Jeremy Hill. Gio's going to be the guy to catch the ball. They're going to eat into each other's um, sort of play. Um, You just got to hope, for if you're a Jeremy Hill dynasty owner, that he finds a way to sort of return to some big big hitting form to where you can increase that yards per carry. Uh, I mean, he was 5.1 in his rookie year, all the way down to 3.7. Can he meet in the middle? And just be an adequate, you know, four yards and a cloud of dust type of runner who just pounds it in the in between the tackles, and that's going to make him a lot more valuable than he was sort of last season. He was, you know, probably a below average running back actually last season in terms of, you know, just efficiency. Hill's another guy I'm a little concerned for. Um, of course, Staggs puts out the awesome touchdown dependency chart, which I find a lot of value in that. Hill, uh, I believe, led all running backs. He was. Um, I had it. 40, 43%, 43.1% of his fantasy value came from touchdowns, which is certainly high. Uh, I heard uh, the boys at the late round quarterback there, JJ Zacharyson, uh, they got a formula, but basically saying, you know, his 11 touchdowns, he should have been on pace to score for his production. And when he got the ball, they've got an algorithm, should have been on pace to really score more like six or seven, I think it was. So again, it, it proved that touchdown volatility now. Might they be more run heavy? They they certainly could be. He could make up for it in other ways. But if he doesn't, um, possible regression there just with touchdowns coming down for Hill. Awesome. Strength of schedule for that team is favorable. Uh, again, I think Andy Dalton had the easiest strength of schedule last year if I'm not no, that was uh, it was Winston, but he was he was one of the top guys. And this year they are uh, dog just right, updated his strength of schedule. And the Bengals for Andy Dalton have the fourth easiest, and for wide receivers second easiest. So their schedule is favorable in that kind of manner. Um, before we move on to the Cleveland Browns, I just want to mention the music. Uh, we had the Rolling Stones. Uh, Mo, you did a Rolling Stone song off of uh, Her Majesty's uh, request, uh, 2000 Man, for your David T. show uh, the other day, and that inspired me. I've been listening to a lot of Stones this week. Um, you know, I kind of made a joke myself on Facebook. When people ask me who I like, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, I say the who. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're all awesome bands. And uh, the Rolling Stones, especially in this Let It Bleed uh, era, the uh, 
uh, Exile on Main Street uh, moments. I think all these uh, recording sessions are kind of intertwined, and uh, it is definitely the peak of what their uh, their talents were ever able to do there in the late was that early seventies? Uh, yeah, I believe early, very early seventies. Maybe maybe sixty nine, seventy seventy one ish. Yeah, I think you're you're pretty much right in the neighborhood right there. I was watching uh, the first Captain America the other day. And, or maybe it was the second one. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But he had a list, right? So Captain America goes to sleep. He's unconscious for 50 years, and he comes out. And you'd have a list, too, like stuff to check out. And Google was on it. Uh, the Berlin Wall coming down. And I paused it to look. You know who the band that he lit, that uh, the, the directors or the powers that be? So if you slept for the last, whatever, 60 years, what band would you write down, don't you think? It would be the Beatles, Rolling Stones, or, uh, yeah, probably probably those two. Maybe some people would say Led Zeppelin or The Who. That's but. what I said. Uh, he wrote down Nirvana. Nothing against Nirvana. And I, I love Kurt Cobain and the grunge scene, but if you've slept for 70-some years, I just don't think that's going to top the list. Just saying. It's more for the millennials, though. You know what? We're yeah, old. That's true. You know? We're not we're not the target market for Captain America. Good music stands the test of time, brother. <laughs> no question about it. Um, well, so the first song, the opener song, is I kind of played the last minute and twenty seconds of "You Got the Silver," which is one of my favorite uh, Rolling Stone songs ever. And then we're going to close out this show with "Let It Bleed." Um, hey Mo, we're not able to give ourselves a toast here, but what are you drinking tonight? There, uh, what kind of Valverde you got going? You know me, baby. Founders, I got the Centennial out of a can. Actually, gotta. Got a sale going down the road. The wife's been picking up the all day, and the the Centennial's out of a can. You sure? You guys are so loyal because you guys both lost your virginity after you met each other at 23 years old. You were drinking all, not all day. It's probably just, if she was going to sleep with you, she was drinking some of the real heavy stuff. She was probably drinking some sort of triple Triple, <laughs> not not all day, all night. Yeah, the, the devil, um, the devil dancer, thirteen percent alcohol. Oh my god, good stuff. I, you know, I kid, I kid. I'm drinking. Um, uh, I actually was at the brewery. I was out by you on Sunday, Mo, and I went and I checked out Bell's, and I also was at. Um, What's the other one that I was at? Uh, the other brewery, um, not, uh, Arcadia. Oh, okay. Yeah, Arcadia. So I actually went to Bell's Brewery for the first time in my life on Sunday. So I am drinking a two-hearted ale out of the can. Self, uh, we love our founders. We love our Valverdes, and we love our beers. Um, so let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. To the Cleveland Browns. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns, congratulations! You guys are champions. You don't have to wait for, uh, now you're not the bottom of the barrel. The bottom of the barrel is San Diego. Uh, but awesome work, LeBronimal. No, it's uh, the Twin Cities. Twin Cities? Pretty sure. Well, I'm, I, I'm talking about just in sport, in all, of all sports, not yeah, just Yeah, all football. sports should be the Twin Cities. Really? Okay, I don't sure. even know what the Twin Cities is. Um, Minnesota. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right, what do you guys have to say on this one? Well, um... Not really sure what the the hue is going to be doing there. Of course, I love what he does with quarterbacks. love what he does with running backs. Just not sure exactly what they got to work with. Duke Johnson, he's the guy that I really like. Had Paul Chargian on the light uh, a little while ago. 
Duke was one of his picks, and this was before we hear the OTA news that uh, Duke, you know, could be third down or a, a three down type of back, and and they could utilize him in more situations. So I really like hearing that for Duke Johnson. Uh, Crowell could develop as to into a bargain if he falls. I've been seeing him fall in ADP, but Duke is the guy I would take there. Now. With the passing game, Corey Coleman could see some garbage time, honestly. Uh, He's going to emerge, I think, as the number one pass catcher, and you know they're going to be down. You know they're going to have to sling it. Look what that did for Jacksonville last year. Yes, garbage points count in fantasy. I think the same thing could happen in Cleveland. However, you got to have someone throwing you the ball, and that's where they kind of run out of steam. Uh, Stag, who are you liking there? And honestly, I'm going to take McCown in that quarterback race, but do you think RG3 can pull it out. Do you have faith in the guy anymore, or, or what do you? What are your thoughts on Cleveland? I think they have to give it to RG three at least to start the season. Josh McCown could be the better quarterback at this time, but you just signed this guy. You know you've got you know very few questions answered for your offense. Uh, so why not take a guy who's younger, who could have potential, you know, a couple years down the road, and at least get him some game action early. If he falters, then you can go with the old Wiley vet. But I think he's the guy who's got to get the ball early. As for the run game, yeah, I, I don't really want either guy, but if I can get a guy in the 14th round of my draft like Isaiah Crowell, you know, that's got good things. I do not believe personally from a talent standpoint that Duke Johnson could handle the load of being a three-down back. Uh, his rushing numbers were awful. His ability to find room behind that line was awful. He's a guy who likes to sort of run east-west and get tackled in the backfield far too often for my liking. Uh, as for pass catchers, besides you know Gary Barnage, who I think is going to have a consistent sort of good year, um, it's got to be Corey Coleman. I, I just have a little bit of concerns about the offense as a whole. Uh, but... If I can get him at wide receiver, you know, 43, 45, 46, I think he's a guy with some with some upside there to sort of have a Travis Benjamin light like rookie season. Hmm. All right. Well, guess what? Valverde. Uh, I kind of agree. But Duke Johnson seems like a lot of buzz is happening about this fella. And um, just not sure this team is going to be all that great. And as the buzz happens, the ADP rises, and Duke Johnson, I think, is going to be a running back that's going to get overdrafted. As Staggs and some of us have agreed to on some of our previous shows, take the other side of that running back situation. Like you mentioned, Crowell getting him in the 14th round. There's a potential value there. So um, I, I, I'm all on board. It's, this could be a team, even as much as I love uh, a Corey, uh, Coleman, the rookie, this could be another one of those teams that I just don't really know what I'm going to be getting out of. Um, so I might be kind of uh, staying away from the whole team. And hopefully, again, on, on, on the commissioner in the league coming up with uh, resolutions quickly, hopefully we'll know pretty soon, uh, or at least uh, sometime early, mid-August, if they're going to let Josh Gordon back into the league. Because um, that's going to obviously be, be pretty big. But I think at the end of the day, I like a McCown. Um, you know, the, the beat writer there for, for the Bengals said, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, that, uh, that RG3 has not done one impressive thing 
in this uh, in the OTAs. There wasn't one wow moment. There wasn't one wow throw. Uh, if he did make a connection, he had, he had missed on three others before it. So RG3 is, is kind of uh, looking like RG3 that we've come to know. Uh, that's worrisome for me. Uh, the only thing I really love about this team is Coleman, and obviously we love, uh, we love the coach, uh, what he can bring out of a, a team. But for fantasy football uh, owners, I don't know if there's enough points to be going around, enough scoring to be going around on this squad. Real quick with uh, Duke Johnson, I still like his value in the sixth round, according to my football uh, or fantasy football calculator. But... He's gone up over a round and a half in the last month. Was going in the eighth round a month ago. Um, Johnson, rep, do 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 Johnson, represents value in the sixth. I'd still take him there. Cool. Um, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. But before we do so, let me give a, a pyro promo. Um, awesome, awesome work to our whole pyro team. Uh, digital high fives across the board. Uh, but a special shout out to you, Mr. Stag Party. We just released version four of the Fantasy Football Draft Kit about an hour before recording this show. It is up on the site uh, now. So I'm, I'm going to do a new op ed for it so it's promoted more. But you can go and pick up version four of the pyro draft kit as i've said before this thing should be illegal it's a weapon of mass destruction on your league mates it is 22 tabs of just unbelievable awesomeness i've got it open while we're doing the show as i said i was referring to sos earlier mo was referring to touchdown dependency another one of the many uh 22 tabs it is just such an awesome awesome i I've never had one person that bought this thing not just be blown away by it. And just uh, the, the response that we get is amazing. So all you people that already bought it, your email box has been hit with the new version 4 automatically. Whether you bought it three months ago in version 1, two months ago version 2, or last month with version 3, version 4 is out. I can't name another website out there doing fantasy football and and giving advice that uh, updates their draft kit with such uh, fervor and, and verve like we do. Uh, so great work to the team. No more pros and cons. Uh, more uh, the depth charts are updated. Our tiers are all updated for the collective and individual. Uh, the PPR ranks are done by UMO. Top 200 updated by Dog. SOS now has playoffs, so you can do you can look at the strength of schedule for um, the playoffs weeks 14 to 16 and 14 through 17. If you do it that way, great great kind of stat to go back to um, that I was talking about earlier. And it's funny how there's certain teams that just they're in the playoffs. Their strength of schedule is just awesome. And if you can look at that and you feel like you're always getting into the playoffs a lot, you can kind of stack somewhat of a team that's going to be able to perform and have good matchups when it matters most in the playoffs. You know, you don't want to draft a team based on their playoff strength of schedule because if you don't make it, you're a dumbass as a result. But in the back of your mind, I think smart fantasy footballers do look ahead and count um, – on being in those playoffs, and if you grab a guy that's got the toughest playoff schedule around, um, and you're coasting all all season, and then you finally get to the big time, uh, and you don't 
uh, your guys start suffering. You know, Cam Newton saw a little bit of that last year. Uh, anyway, this draft kit's awesome. Good job. High fives to all the Pyro Pro t- uh, team members and any of you guys that haven't picked it up. It's 20 bones. You'll get the subsequent version next month and the following two months. Um, and uh, it, it's awesome. It'll definitely make you help you make your tiers that'll walk away with the best draft of anybody in your drafts and in your leagues. I don't know, D-Rex. You mentioned uh, thinking about the playoffs, being a dumbass. I'm pretty much resigned to a life of dumbassity, so that's cool with me. Dumbass, right here. You, you, and, you and me both. You and me both. But we're pretty good at fantasy football, so uh, it's all right to be a dumbass as long as you're good at this stuff. Stag party. Again, good job, buddy. It's awesome. Let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. All right. Seems like uh, seems like the momentum's there across the board. Uh, this team seems like they're ready to burst out. The only issue is that Flacco is not going to be seen or witnessed uh, this offseason, so you really aren't going to get a chance. Or Steve Smith. So you're really not going to get a chance to see the two key, key cogs in the wheel, what they're going to be doing really until week one, which is a little bit scary. Lots of talent to go around there at running back. Lots of talent to go around there at wide receiver. Lots of talent to go around there at, at tight end as well. They've got some of the deepest yeah. uh, skilled position spots of any team in the league. Uh, what do you make of it? What have you been hearing? Uh, who, who are you guys kind of focusing in on uh, for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, like you say, too many too many cooks in the kitchen and tight end. Good Lord, Watson, Gilmore, Williams, Pitta, even. Uh, uh, look at the running back position. Justin Forsett, Javoris Allen, Dixon. They've got Terrence West, Lawrence, uh, Lorenzo Taliaferro, the ghost of Trent Richardson. Really, the only place that I see something maybe materializing with uh, the injury news. you got Steve Smith, you know, questionable, Perriman, Lord knows what's going on there. So that bumps up Aiken and Wallace, and I, I do like Wallace in a best ball format. You know, you don't have to sweat, um, should I start him or should I not in best ball? And he can rip off those big games, and Flacco can deliver those big balls. But it is concerning. Anytime a guy doesn't get in uh, preseason, I, I get worried about that, or uh, training camp. I get worried that he's not on the field practicing with his team. Could be a little rust there. I mean, this is a team with so many weapons everywhere that we're going to have to see it develop a little bit. But Smitty, Smitty's got an ADP of wide receiver 39, and I can't name 38 wide receivers I'd rather take ahead of that guy. So I think he's a value. Even if he just does what he wants to do for half a season – because he's been talking about how he might just walk off the field after he gets to a 1,000 career catches, uh, which is sort of an interesting uh, storyline in itself. I think it's I think he needs 39 catches. Uh, but besides that, I like Kamar Aiken, but I'm not going to reach for that guy. Uh, he's actually got fairly impressive measurable numbers. He's a guy sort of who's been around the league a little bit, you know, didn't get much play early in his career, but sort of when he had a chance, he pretty broke out last season. The Baltimore number one wide receiver averaged over 10 uh, targets a game last year. So whoever's going to be the one is a guy you want to own. I'm putting my money on Smitty for the last season of his career. Uh, besides that, Kamar Aiken I think could be a good number two. And they've got a number of you know big hitters down the line who could you know make some plays down the field between Wallace and Perriman, who they expect to be back now. Cool. Let's uh, one one guy you didn't even mention when you were talking about the tight ends. Uh, Moe's Crockett Gilmore 
who is a kind of a pyro favorite. Dog likes him as well. They got four. Why? To be honest, dumb pick of them. If they were going to go out after Watson and, and still think Pitt had a chance of coming back, why draft Max Williams uh, last year? Uh, wasn't that in the middle of the first round or something? I mean, he went pretty high. Uh, seems like a wasted pick to me. He was uh, a second rounder. Was but... he a second rounder? Okay, good. I uh, could still see spending the money on Watson being their biggest mistake, but. You know, Pitt is just a question mark, and the rest of these guys didn't prove it, and Gilmore's the guy who struggled with injuries through his entire career. They've got deep groups all around, though, so Flacco's the guy who's going to be the beneficiary of that, and with his ADP of QB 26, he's the guy I like to maybe draft as a backup, uh, especially in best ball formats. Yeah, absolutely. With, with the running back, uh, position, you know, there's so many there, and I just got to plug in my boy Justin Forsett. You know, through week eight last year, he or yeah, through week eight, he was top ten in PPR. Uh, through week ten, he was the twelfth rated PPR back, and of course goes down week eleven. Uh, but if I'm going to take someone, I think Dixon could be the guy who has the most fantasy points at the end of the season. However, Dixon could be a guy somebody drafts early, gets sick of because he's not performing, he's not playing, and then he could be a scoop on the waiver wire week six, and he could end up having a great second half of the season. So I kind of like Dixon. Don't think I'm going to draft him, though. Could be a scoop on the waiver wire. I like it. Um, All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Question I got, can, um, well, let's talk about OTAs and what what, what not uh, and and move on from there. Um, I haven't read much up on what's going on over with these guys. Uh, What are are some expectations that you or any news that you've heard uh, after the OTAs? That's actually not much news on the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're they're one of those teams on offense that's pretty well defined. Uh, I, I guess the big news is they're... You know, potentially pushing Antonio Brown to break records to be a 2,000-yard type receiver, uh, which would be huge for fantasy owners. And that's maybe what makes him the number one overall pick in drafts, according to his ADP. But, yeah, there there's some question marks uh, about who's going to stretch the field. Is it going to be Sammy Coates, who they, they're saying is having a great OTAs? Or is it going to be Darius Hayward Bay again, who averaged more targets than Marcus Wheaton yep. with, in those first six weeks without Martavis Bryant last year? That's what I was going to bring up. I think people don't realize is the splits. When Bryant was out, as he will be now, it was really Hayward Bay uh, was the go-to guy. Now, uh, they got a lot of stuff going on. Coates is one year further in his progression. I was not a big fan of Coates coming out. Uh, didn't have great hands in college. Uh, let a lot of guys knock the ball down on him, even though for being a taller receiver. Um, lots of cooks, though. Again, I think that's going to be the problem with Ladarius Green. A lot of offensive weapons there, and you just don't know who's going to necessarily emerge behind, of course, Bell and Brown. So besides those two, a lot of muddled, undecided uh, fantasy potential there. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried about this team a little bit. Uh, I, I did bump down Antonio. I know they're trying to get in records, 20 touchdown, two. But uh, and you guys are probably like, why would he move Antonio Brown and is down in his tears this late in the game? You probably didn't see it, Mo. But I bet you Stags looked at that and maybe mentioned it. I, I, I decided just to personally, and then we'll move on to uh, the AFC South. You know what? 
My favorite player is Julio Jones. I'm really starting to fall in love with Beckham, and I just think the Beckham explosion factor on those five games where he's just going to literally be the wide receiver one or two for the week. I know Antonio can do that. He leads everyone in catches and touchdowns over the last couple few years. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just I like those other two guys more. So I, and I, I'm a wide receiver guy. So my 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 on this round of tears, I was just like you know. Yeah, it's a probably a smarter pick to take uh, a, an Antonio Brown over a Julio Jones if I had the number one overall, probably. But I'm going to take a Julio Jones anyways. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. It's your team. People lose sight of that. you got to have fun. you got to like watching the games on Sunday and, and liking it. You know, that's, that's part of it. And with those guys, you could be, you know, uh, whatever, grasping at straws, the difference between those two. So you got to like your team, man. Absolutely. And if... I, I the one thing I would love about having uh, an Antonio Brown is if if he humps the goalpost again, I'd be humping the table right next, uh, going along with them. Those are those are valuable fantasy points that we need. And you know what, Antonio, I feel like humping something too. That's why we can't have nice things at Pyro. <laughs> Amen. Let's move on to the AFC South. Indianapolis Colts, you guys both brought up, um, in, when we were talking about our meeting notes before we get diving into this, both brought up uh, uh, Dante Moncrief. Um, let's talk about him. Let's talk about a lot, a lot of changes happening here, a lot of the same things happening, but this is one of the teams that there's a ton of news after the OTAs coming out about it. Yeah, the major news is T.Y. Hilton's the best player at their OTAs. So as much talk about there is about Moncrief, they're all saying T.Y. Hilton's in for a career year, and you're getting him at wide receiver 16 in drafts when a guy like Amari Cooper is going you know, four wide receivers ahead of him, and that's just something I can't fathom. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is just, you know, his splits with and without luck, yeah, they were a little bit down, but he still came down with 1,100 yards and, you know, what, five TDs last year? This is a guy who's going to put up fantasy points. He's going to absolutely demolish the Houston Texans on Thursday night football. I don't even know if that game exists this year. But uh, he's going to absolutely demolish the Houston Texans two times a season. And the t- he, j- he could just make long plays happen anywhere on the field. And he's one of the more consistent options out there uh, through his first four seasons in the league. I am on the Moncrief bandwagon. I uh, talked about this the other night on uh, episode 36, I believe, of The Light. Um, I think Moncrief could honestly have a shot with the amount of attention he's going to get in the red zone. I think he could have a shot at leading fantasy points for the receivers there in Indy. Moncrief, six foot two, uh, tallest wide receiver on the team. And then of course the, the rest of the starting wide receivers are all under six foot Dwayne Allen, six foot three. Now with luck last year, out of all of Luck's touchdown passes, 33% went to Moncrief. Uh, he looks at Moncrief when they get down in there. He's a tall target. Moncrief was looking great. Uh, a lot of people scooped him off the waiver wire last year. I got him off the waiver wire, uh, was set to, to really set the world on fire. And then, of course, the wheels fell off. I'm looking for Moncrief to pick right back up. Also really like Dwayne Allen in the 12th round. He's one of those tight ends that you can kind of throw a dart at. It's, it's, I think they're in my tier three, I want to say, but I got a, just a plethora of tight ends right there that could easily land inside top eight, and I think he's one, and he's about the latest one you can get going in the 12th round, Dwayne Allen. Uh, 
the thing is with Moncrief, his stats were so dependent on touchdowns because he was on pace for 11 touchdowns with Andrew Luck at quarterback, but only like 876 yards. Uh, is he going to score? Is he going to get more fantasy points with yards and you know per se be like at a thousand yard receiving level, which would give him sort of week to week value instead of you know plucking at straws for touchdowns? Uh, I'm just not a believer in Dwayne Allen. I guess. Uh, I mean, at, at, at tight end sixteen or so, I'm willing to take a take take a stab at Dwayne Allen, but you know I'd rather have you know Jimmy Graham potentially other guys like that. You know, Dwayne Allen, I just do not trust after last year and his inability to just do anything on the football field. He he looked god-awful. See, I like Allen. I think it's 161 vacated targets um, with the loss of Flaner and Johnson. I believe it's 161 going off my head here. Uh, I think that's going to open it up quite a bit. And in in the red zone, like you say, touchdowns are hard, hard to repeat. Uh, but I'm a believer in both uh, Moncrief and Allen. Love the value. One thing I'll mention is that it is storming across the Midwest, so if you're hearing something in the background, it is lightning and thunder. Sorry, I can't. I'm not in a panic room that's padded. Uh, I think, in general, if there's any sort of degradation in some of our quality happening here and there, um, we're blaming it on Mother Nature. Okay, uh, so if you hear, I'm trying. We're trying to mute when we're not talking, but in the background, I have got a serious. I'm looking directly out a window at a serious lightning and thunder action. So, uh, doing our best here, guys. We are pyromaniac. We bring the freaking rain, not the scattered showers. <laughs> Amen. Uh, good times all around. And um, again, just so fired up to be doing a podcast. Let me do a quick pyro promo, and I'm going to kind of let you do it along with me, Mo, because you do it on your pyro podcast, Light, um, which I'll mention quickly. If you guys aren't checking out Mo's uh, fantasy football talks, uh, that are happening at an unbelievable clip. As I said, he's been holding down the, the Pyro podcast a vehicle for us for the last three weeks. And uh, I'll let you talk about it briefly, um, just go into it on some of your uh, last four guests. But pretty awesome. Last night you posted uh, Evan Silva from Roto World. Uh, give it a little shout-out, but just uh, hats off to you, Mo, on, 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 on getting some just amazing people to interview and talk fantasy football with. Uh, I love, love, love those shows. Yeah, I've been uh, very fortunate. Uh, folks have really been great in the community. I've gotten back to me. I've got Sigmund Bloom uh, next week. Um, got Dave T coming back for more. Dave T, we've done episode 35. We talked rookie wide receivers. Episode uh, 33, I believe 30. we did running backs. TJ Hernandez was sandwiched in the middle of there, four for four. A bit earlier in the season, some of the ones I'm still listening to. Denny Carter uh, was fantastic. I believe that was episode 29, 28, right around there. Paul Chargian was there. Uh, great episodes we've got, and uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Dave T is going to continue to talk with us and uh, continuing to reactive on it, and then active 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 on it, and then the next week you can hear the flip side, and that's the best we can do. With Pyro and in the fantasy world is just bring you the thoughts of everybody, and then we'd like to think our followers are smart enough to uh, make the decisions. So we're, we're giving you the info, and uh, you stick with Pyro, and uh, we're going to bring you the hardware at the end of the year. But you get to hear from all kinds of great fantasy minds, and it's really cool that they're willing to come on and, and chat with me. So I really enjoy doing it. 
Cool, man. Well, you know, I said in uh, in a show that we did, I think the last show we did, um, me, Stag Party, and Houdini, uh, I had said that I, I thought that uh, I really felt like you're kind of uh, the Dick Cavett of the fantasy football talks, and uh, I think you do a great job. Uh, I know how much you prepare for each of those shows and cater your show to the strength and, and, and kind of the mind share and the approaches that each of these other people are uh, use, and you, you just are a podcast junkie, and you're really a, a, a you, you dive into all this information, and you really know these these experts, these other experts. Uh, let's not forget, you had Matthew Barry on the show uh, within the last couple months. That was a non-fantasy football talk, but I thought that was a pretty funny one to hear other sides and the and the fact that uh, the talented Mr. Roto wrote uh, Cro- Crocodile Dundee three or whatever. Yeah, he had some good uh, stories. That was that was a good one. He did. So quickly, I'm going to let you, Mo, before we get off this with the Pyro promo, I'm going to let you do the talk to them to get our audience um, to give us reviews and all that because you're so much better at being a radio um, kind of promoter on these things and these promos than I am. So uh, tell these guys what they can do and where they can find us, your show, The Heavy, and um, you know how we need their help. Well, of course, giving us reviews on iTunes, subscribing and giving us reviews is fantastic. If you subscribe, you don't got to check it just the the magic of the internet ladies and gentlemen just uh, swoops right into your phone and you get all the latest whether that's the pyro light or the pyro heavy so give us a subscription and we say it all the time but give us a review it does not take long it takes a few minutes i've been reading off reviews we've had a plethora start to come in and we can truly uh boost our our clicks we can boost our Uh, awareness in the fantasy football community with you leaving reviews. So if we've helped you in fantasy, help us in the pyromaniac business, leave us a review. And of course, at pyromaniac.com, all kinds of fantastic stuff happening over there. We've got the draft kit, 20 tabs of mass destruction for 20 bones. I use it, D-Rex, Stags, we all use it even into the season. Uh, which is fantastic with the strength of schedule. So it's not like you just chuck it after your draft. All kinds of useful data. And then, of course, before the season and in season, Pyro Pro, access to the mind share. And you're in all these mean, 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 you're in all these leagues. Pyro Pro is your answer, baby. You can track all your guys right there, and it is fantastic. All the information available at pyromaniac.com. Yeah, and that Pyro Pro, if you guys are members and those of you that aren't, I'm going to do uh, some promotions. And we're going to promote the Draft Kit and Pyro Pro a lot heavier over the coming weeks. We've been kind of light on promoting our, our products, and we're, we're, we've got some great content that's coming out that we're going to let Stag Party talk about in a little bit later in the show. But um, that Pyro Pro, we've got these news feeds humming. we got Stiff Kitty. we got the Archer, uh, who's in the mix. And um, we've also got P.K. Ripper, uh, who I mentioned earlier, our Jet fan and one of our homies. God, I love that guy. He's so fucking funny. Um, but the Archer came coming on board. Welcome to the party, pal. Guy that reached out um, to me about five weeks ago and he's already helping us out on these um, these news feeds and uh, he's working on something special along with Mo, along with Stags, along with myself. I know that Houdini's uh, giving some insight to that piece uh, and that kind of model and formula himself tonight. Uh, he had, he wanted to be on the show, but his uh, his his wife, future wife, is having her bachelorette party. So there's all these women over at his place, and he couldn't get away in the corner of a room uh, to be on the show. But long story short, 
Awesome, awesome stuff. Check out, I mean, the news feeds, everyone's doing a great job, and I just wanted to welcome aboard uh, the Archer, who's been uh, awesome, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Uh, let's move on to uh, one last thing about the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm going to say everyone's talking about this Josh Ferguson guy. No, no guy has come out of nowhere to be more searched, more talked about, more referred, and I don't know if that's a knock on Gore, who's you know himself, is saying that he wants to uh, have a big season and uh, and get another thousand yard season. But uh, anyone got anything else on Indianapolis before, or should we move on to? Uh, I mean, we didn't really talk about Luck, but Luck's Luck. He's got a lot of weapons around there. So let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I'll let you guys just chime in. I don't have that much to say other than the fact that obviously this is an elite uh, receiving core and. Um, you, and we all know that we think that uh, the argument year, week in and week out, is is Bortles going to regress or is Bortles going to ascend? Yeah, uh, I, I think I've harped on this one a little too much. If Mo, <laughs> if Mo has anything to add, feel free. Well, uh, I think I'm I think I'm lockstep with you. Uh, re- regression for Bortles, hundred red zone targets last year, tied with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, their defense is improving. They are not going to be in those shootouts that they were last year, uh, a lot of the garbage time that they had last year. I don't think that's coming. So I think I'm right on with you is uh, regression for Bortles. And who to me, 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 and who to me. He always seems to gain yards, positive yardage. Yeldon seems to be a guy that falls forward, but. Ivory, uh, last year, one of the reasons I think they got him down in the red zone, they did not use Yeldon, and Ivory was the most used back inside the five-yard line, which uh, I think that's exactly why they got him, to use when they get down there so I could see Ivory uh, really racking it up in the touchdowns, and that's where I think he's going to make his hey, That's why I like him over Yeldon. Hey, um, anything, there's nothing to talk about on wide receiver other than the fact that some of the buzz after OTAs is, uh, God, I space it, the, the ghost, white ghost, what are they calling him? Marquez Lee, they're saying there's some hype after two years of being a total dud. I think he was a very early second, first pick in the second round, uh, three drafts ago out of USC, highly hyped. He had some huge years uh, for the Trojans, but ever since has just, I think he had under 20 catches and uh, 159 yards and a touchdown or something last year, while everyone else on the wide receiver crew like Hearns and uh, A-Rob were just lighting it up. But now they're saying that he's looking pretty good, he's healthy, and if you've got that third wing, that guy kind of slot receiver, that smaller, scatty kind of guy, and you add to the mix uh, their tight end as well, pretty exciting wide receiver uh, receiving core in Jacksonville. All right, Houston Texans. Uh, what do we talk about here? There's lots to talk about with the Texans. I mean, they're going to give Lamar Miller the ball. They keep saying they're going to give Lamar Miller the ball, which is great news. DeAndre Hopkins makes a daily uh, YouTube highlight catch. And then there's the rest of the wide receivers, especially Jalen Strong, who has put together a great offseason. Came in, you know, cut weight from last year, lost up to... You know, reportedly 30 pounds, best shape of his life, dedicated to football, but he still had that marijuana charge earlier in the season, so there's that. And then the rest of the rookie wide receivers there and Will Fuller and Braxton Miller haven't been getting much love. 
Um, not a lot to hear about those guys so far. Uh, so th- that's a little bit concerning. Uh, I'd like to hear making big plays or some sort of buzz like that. And then the rest of the news, uh, I guess, revolves around Brock Osweiler, uh, who everything they thought for and more, everything they paid for. So I think there's that aspect. Uh, besides that, that's all I've got for the Texans. Well, I got, uh, I guess, two things. One with Brock, you know, are we even sure he's that good? To be honest, like, are, do we really no. know he's that good? Very small. Three and 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 you put pads on him and he runs a four seven. You can have a guy that runs a four six and you put pads on him, and he runs a 4.61. So it's you know all about how the guy carries his pads. We're hearing all this fluff right now out of OTAs. That's why I really want to get my eye on camp and see what's going on once they put the pads on. Just not too sure about Osweiler. Uh, I'm very sure about Lamar. I've got him right up there. Uh, I think I want to say five or six. Um, Bill O'Brien, he wants to run the rock. Fifth in rushing attempts last season, first in rushing attempts in 2014. And, you know, uh, talking to Denny Carter, pass attempts is not something that really correlates with fantasy points, but rushing attempts, that correlates a lot. You're going to you want to chase rush attempts. And with Bill O'Brien, he's going to want to run the rock. He's done it consistently the last two years, and that's what Lamar Miller needs and he's been wanting. So I think uh, I'm excited to see Miller. I know, Staggs, you are on uh, the famous debate, Miller, over uh, Martin. Uh, are you still with me as uh, being pretty high on Lamar? Yeah, Lamar Miller over Doug Martin all day, every day. Yeah, he Lamar for sure, I think. Now, next up, unless anybody has anything else they want to say on the Texans... We're... All I want to say is it's always bigger in Texas, and at the end of the day, I like you know still like the Hopkins, still like the Miller, like you, and the fact that what Hopkins was able to do with that poo-poo platter uh, of quarterbacks last year, no matter if Brock is good, mediocre, or really better than advertised, I think he's going to be better than what they had before, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna let him wing it around a little bit. But like Stag Party said. Every day, I love watching these vines of DeAndre Hopkins making a one-handed grab. At this point, it looks like he's got the force. It literally looks <laughs> like he's just like saying, ball, hand, come. This is not a lightsaber. This is leather. I am good. Tennessee Titans. Um, Spray Tan is talking about how he's so excited I'm running downhill again and all this stuff. Uh I think I better be pretty good this year, or I'm sort of sick of hearing him. Sick, I'm sick, kind of sick of hearing about him, and I know that I probably have him higher than most, both of you guys, for the running back position in my tears. But getting kind of sick of that guy. <laughs> would you Would you like to hear that he? Uh, I'm not very comfortable in this offense, or you know, negative news like that. Well. He is doing that when he comes out today. He's got it. Instead of just saying, I'm loving this downhill, he always brings up, like, oh, well, the Chip Kelly, they were getting me out of my suites. He's always kind of making, like, there's certain guys that are always making excuses, I feel like. And I like him. I got DeMarco Murray right now as my seventh in uh, running back in Tier 2. I got him ahead of Lamar and Doug Martin. Oh. I think he's going to have a great season. I don't think that... Uh, that they're gonna, um, that Henry's gonna eat into him nearly as much as I guess Houdini does. Uh, who's got, he's got, uh, 
DeMarco really low. Uh, but I think they're going to be a running team. I think he's going to be a lot of opportunity. But I'm kind of sick of him. And while I think he might could be on my team in some regards, um, I, I don't love him as a player. So if I don't, I won't feel too bad about it. Yeah, I've got Valverde. I've got DeMarco 24, I want to say. Way down there. I mean, I mean that's not way down there uh, after the season he had last year. But let, let's look at the good things. DeMarco Murray should be in line for a plethora of rush attempts. He's going to still be you know, the better receiving option, no matter how much they talk about you know, Derrick Henry being able to catch the ball or Dexter McCluster still having a certifiable role in this offense. Come on now. Like, DeMarco Murray is the best pass catcher on that team out of the backfield. Uh, and then in addition to that, the, the rest of the guys there, Antonio Andrews is a plotter. David Cobb is, if Antonio Andrews is a plotter, <laughs> that makes David Cobb like a fucking dump trucker. What, what's slower than a plotter? Uh. It's it's a a, a, sl- a plotter that's asleep. It's been drugged uh, with the Ambien. Um, you know, I, don't, I think it was you, Mo, that sent me or sh- told me to take a look at uh, the footwork of uh, Henry, Derek Henry, and him and him working out and him looking. Maybe it wasn't you, but all I had to do to know that I'm not worried about how Demarco Murray is going to get eaten in by any of that garbage, that rotunda of garbage is seeing Derrick Henry just do some training and do some footworks and do some practice exercise. A lot of the stuff that you're doing in OTAs, um, he is just atrocious. Considering he came from Alabama, uh, top-notch recruiting, almost like prepping for the NFL type of uh, school, and just what I see from that guy when he's doing drills uh, and footwork drills at at the NFL level, um, it's... I feel like I could probably get in there right now and do better than him. Well, I do have him at 24. And I'm chunky. But I I will say one reason, a couple things to say. One reason last year, we've had conversations lately on the the light about yards per carry and how it doesn't always work as a measure of anything for a running back. But uh, last year on Philly, according to Roto Wire, uh, Sproles was three. Fuse was. 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 Or how well he ran, and not so much for Murray. I think we should expect Murray to perform somewhere between the Dallas and somewhere between what he did last year in Philly. I've got him at 24. I think he's going to be a back end running back too. But I will say for Malarkey. He really does like to rely on running backs. He's had 11 full seasons as a play caller. Full seasons. Last year he only took over for nine games. 11 full seasons as a play caller. Uh, four times his rushing team has been in the top 10 for rushing touchdowns scored. He often relies heavily on one back. So I think both those things bode well for DeMarco. Uh, also what I'm really looking at is DGB because... In his 11 seasons, there's only been one time when his wide receiver, number one, has accounted for less than 25% of the team target share. Under Malarkey last year, um, well, of course, it was Walker, certainly, but uh, DGB was getting 17.3 as a rookie, so I think it bodes well for DGB, Doriel Green-Beckham, to take a step forward. Lots of of cooks there, but I do like the hype that's surrounding uh, Doriel Green-Beckham 
And like I say, Malarkey's going to want to run the ball too, and that's why I like uh, DeMarco kind of back-end running back too. Uh, the thing is with DGB is he's not even working out with starters right now. He's working out with the second team. Tajay start, Sharp's being you know inserted ahead of him as a starter on, on the first team. That That's what concerns me about Doriel Green-Beckham, but it's going to be something that maybe they're using it as a fire to light under him, so he works. Uh, but he's been a guy who's apparently worked all offseason, so that's just a little bit concerning to me. You don't like him. He's got four, you're got him at 484. I love it in your tears, Stags. It's awesome. This, I, hey, nobody's right. There ain't no right. There ain't no wrong. Noon, D-Rex has got him at 17. And that just shows you the discrepancy. And that's why we do the Pyro Collective. And the first in the in the draft kit and on the – actually, you know, you can look on we're, – we're two of the experts right now on fantasy football pros – um, fantasypros.com uh, if you're looking at uh, ADP and you're looking at rankings you know they kind of have a, a, a mix of all the experts that post their, their rankings, stag parties up there with his as well as the Dogmatica, Dogmaticas are our collective tiers correct and uh, yours are your individual uh, stag party so great stuff, check out Fantasy Pros for that, congratulations on getting, you just got accepted a couple days ago, right, Stag Party? So now we're going to have multiple, uh, Mo, did you sign up for that? I'm going to. Now I finalized my fourth, and I've got a little bit of a... Cool. So if you get accepted as well, we'll have our collective up under uh, Dogmatica, and then um, we will have the uh, you both. So that's great stuff, and um, it's just nice. Right now they've got 39 or 40 experts that they're considering out of 66 that are already kind of pre-selected, and we're in that mix. So uh, pretty dope. We really like the Fantasy Pro guys. They promote this podcast as one of the seven podcasts that they promote um, in fantasy football so we're one of the seven best podcasts in their eyes and that's awesome so uh thank you very much fantasy pros let's keep uh let's keep working together here all right let's move um let's move on to the afc west and let's kind of breeze through this so that we can uh, get the nfc done and uh it'll be about a three-hour show but uh that's that and who cares um we always hear on, on, on the social media and via emails and in our second opinion questions that we get for Pyro Pros. I don't mind the long podcast. I can if if I don't have the the three hours to listen to them, I'll listen to it in two or three batches. So don't cut back on my behalf. All right, we're not doing it tonight. Uh, we're going in the OTAs. Uh, this is the hype train. Who's hot? Who's not? Uh, all right, AFC West, Denver Broncos. I'm just going to say this. I am uh, definitely a Booker fan over a C.J. Anderson fan. I think C.J. Anderson is going to be a dud. Now, when you say over, uh, do you still have C.J. ranked higher? I do. I do. I do. Uh, bear, not so much, though. Uh, I, I, I got Definitely, yes, I do. I got C.J. Anderson as my 42nd. Um, and no, I don't. I've got Booker ahead of him. All right. I got Booker ahead of him. He's late 30s, so I'm um, putting my money where my mouth is. And he's he's co- said he's coming after somebody's job, and that job is C.J. Anderson. I think right now C.J. Anderson still is pouting that he's not on the Miami Dolphins. Could be. I I think C.J. is going to have, have a good year. 
Uh, he just got hot going down the stretch last year when he finally got used to that zone blocking scene, finally got used to those guys in front of him. Uh, I think that's going to help, especially with, you know, no matter who starts at quarterback, whether it's Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, or Mark Sanchez, because they're all in a three-way battle, but the battle is apparently only two ways between Simeon and Mark Sanchez right now. Um, and Trevor Simeon's a Northwestern guy who I got to see play a lot, who, who even when he was a quarterback at Northwestern, he wasn't the full-time quarterback because they had Kane Coulter out there uh, running a lot of sort of zone read plays, and then they would switch in and out. So that's sort of an interesting you know, factoid on Trevor Simeon. Uh, besides that, I like C.J. Anderson in the run game. Devontae Booker I do like as well. So I am completely fading Ronnie Hillman out of any of my draft plans. If people want to select him based off last year's numbers, that's fine. I just don't like the way he runs the football. He's not great at taking care of the football. He's not a great pass catcher in that respect either. So those are all three three things that say, you know, just avoid Ronnie Hillman. We know about the two wide receivers. I'm not worried about anybody else on that wide receiver depth chart. And then at tight end, I'm not drafting either. These are guys between Jeff Howerman and Virgil Green who are two glorified blockers. We've got to see one step up and actually catch passes in this offense. I agree. The one thing I'll, um, I, I definitely want to say in, in regards to um, – uh, oh, I kind of spaced what I was going to say there. But one thing I'll say is some of the news coming out of OTAs is, is Sanchez, his investor, uh, screwed him out at $7 million in a Ponzi scheme. Uh, I mean, I know he's made some good money as a quarterback in the league, but how do you – how do you allow someone to take $7 million and invest it without you knowing? How is that possible? Even, even if you're worth $500 million, maybe it's a little different. But uh, $7 million, uh, I, I just don't – reading that news and reading that story with Sanchez today, uh, wake up, buddy. Wake, wake up. Yeah, um, all right, that's all I got to say. I don't know the investments they make. They need, you know what they need to do? They need to go to Trump University and learn <laughs> how to manage their money because that's where it's at, brother. I don't know. I, th- I thought I, according to Hillary, all books end in Chapter Eleven. Oh, we are. Uh, you guys want to know something? I'm not even going to join you in this political discussion. <laughs> I'm out. I'm that, out. I'm learning my was, lessons. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing was gun a, control. I'm not Chris Resendez. I'm not going to get into any of this stuff. That was a Twitter discussion. That was not a political discussion, just so we're clear. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty good line, but if you're ever bored, or if you catch mono, or you get reconstructive microfracture surgery, and you just want to sit back and listen, there's nothing better than going to any of these Politico sites and just, just reading the comments. <laughs> Don't even read the article. Just read the comments and how much America hates one another. Uh, the right hates the left. The left hates the right. Uh, it's just such, it's it's such a fractured um, world right now. We're gonna stick to fantasy football because the world needs fun. The world needs excitement. Stag party might pass out on us over he's there. He's got the vapors. Yeah. He's got the vapors. He's he's doing the oi vey. It's like a sauna in here. Because earlier when we were doing the show, I'm like, um, is that a fan I hear in the background? He's like, yeah, I got the AC cranking all the way. I got the fans rolling. He's like, I'm screwed once we hit the shot, once we record this. And Stag Party is is drinking the... How many uh, Gatorade uh, Frosts have you had so far of the show? An hour and 22 in. 
Uh, we're at one and a half. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's uh, keep going on the on the Broncos and let's kind of high tower uh, through uh, these next uh, four teams. Real quick before we did it, uh, hit the next four teams. Uh, Dave T. Thomas really high on Booker. Uh, one of the guys you really liked had him as the highest rated senior before his leg went out. Uh, said he was in top three contention for possible rookies. Really liked him uh, personally. I could see you know I'm, I do like CJ, but I could see. Possibly handcuffing with Booker. I'm not a big handcuff fan, but uh, I do like the the two of them there. And I think this team, with lack of clarity at the quarterback position, is going to run. I'm a big handcuff fan, um, but let's get back to fantasy football. El Verde. Pink fuzzies. (laughs) All right. uh, Cool. Let's move on from the Broncos. Uh, Is the team being sold? There's a lot of... I'll just say this. After a championship... There's so much that's happening. Von Miller's not going to play. Uh, shot in the, what's his name? My KU boy uh, shot himself in the leg. Does too drunk to remember. Reportedly, the, the, I, he shot himself in the leg. Uh, the team's thinking about selling. The kids, uh, you know, now the owners, uh, you know, he's got Alzheimer's. Not, there's a lot of moving parts there. They pulled out that Super Bowl. Um, because the friggin' stupid New England uh, was able to play bad down the stretch. But they pulled that one out. I think this is a team that's going to be in disarray this year. A little worried about them, but I like the value you'll probably be able to get from uh, uh, Demar- Demarius. Only in the NFL do you have a rebirth of the Plaxico uh, incident from a few years back. How do you do that, first of all? Why are you bringing a gun into the club? Yeah. What? How is this possible? Bring in three guys with guns that are around you. That if anything happens, they shoot and they go to jail, and you take care of them and take care of their family. Why are you carrying the gun? You got chicks rubbing up against you. He obviously is the kind of guy that gets blind drunk. He's like I do too. It's just what all KU people do. Uh, <laughs> um, Better yet, why are you going to the club to begin with? Go when you're retired. Thirty-six years old, plenty of time for clubbing. You know, stay home. Play your PlayStation, whatever. Uh, get it right, man. Come on. This is not for long. What league. are you talking about, Well, If you had millions of dollars, no wife, you'd be at the club right now with bottle service. I'm pretty wise from this end of the spectrum, but you're right. If she was on the other foot, uh, we're, we're hitting Vegas. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to the San Diego Chargers. Um Whew. There was a scare a couple weeks ago with Woodhead being down. Everyone was nervous. Uh, the news out of OTAs is that uh, Gordon, you know, is get doing his light running, being being a participant, and he's going to be ready for Week One. Let's start there with the running back situation, uh, and then uh, quickly move from there. And uh, I know that Pyro's been pretty high and talking up a, a gate, so I'll let you guys kind of just quickly have a talk conversation. I'll stay out on the charges. Well, I don't have too much. Looked up one thing with Wizenhunt returning. Uh, I believe he was there last 2013. We all know Woodhead was used surprisingly a lot in the red zone last year. Well, how is it going to change? I went and looked. 2013, Woodhead led all running backs with 22 red zone targets and was used on team rushes in the red zone 65.5% of the time. So I don't think we're going to see any red zone regression from Woodhead. Lord knows what he can do catching it, and if he's going to get that red zone work, uh, continue to love my little white guy over in uh, in San Diego there. I think that it's just time that they invest in Melvin Gordon. 
they they have to see what they're getting, and that includes getting him red zone carries. They just have to see if he's going to be a transcendent talent for them uh, to you know potentially be a bridge after the Philip Rivers era is over. They they've got to see what they have in this guy that they spent the 14th overall pick on last year. Uh, so I think there is going to be some regression from Danny Woodhead. But the things that Danny Woodhead does so well is he just seems to score whenever possible. But if, if he only gets 50% of the attempts, I don't think it's too big of a hit on him. And I also think he's going to be getting the ball plenty through the air. And we know he's not that great of a running back truly in between the tackles, uh, especially with the struggles of that offensive line over the last couple of years. Yeah, I saw, I saw something. Right. Uh, One of the, the offensive line combined for a total of 30 missed games. Uh, the five offensive line starters combined for a total of 30 missed games last year. That's got to improve this year. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, you got guys like P.K. Ripper. P.K. Ripper's making a, a, a ballsy call that he thinks Rivers will be a top-five QB this year. Uh, he's done it before, but he does it in increments. Um, obviously, I'd say the hottest wide receiver out there that has never really put up wide receiver number one over a whole season kind of, uh, I'd say, Keenan Allen. Is there a guy that's hotter at, at, in fantasy football for his position um, than him right now? I mean, he's on all of our tiers right there in the second, third tier. Uh, top ten guy pretty much across every expert's board. A lot of expectations for him. Um, I don't know. I, I think we can move on. Uh, Ladarius Green's gone. Gates. Uh, what's what? What is the the stat that he's to get the most t- touchdowns? He's eight away or, or ten away, eight or, eight or nine yeah, away from, from the most that. touchdowns ever by a tight end. So a lot of pundits and people out there think that uh, it's a pretty much a, a no brainer that they're going to try and get him a lot of touchdowns this year. And um, his ADP is pretty favorable. There's a lot of tight ends, and he's moved down. So he's a guy that uh, that I, I've seen it. The eye test, I kind of uh, I'm kind of liking at Gates. And Moore is my backup. And if something hits, he's great trade bait. Or, uh, but uh, Gates, old man, old man Gates, going to give it one last run. Maybe this is the second last year, but uh, people are really talking up him. Yep. All right, let's move on to Kansas City Chiefs. Jeez, owns. I'm not going to say a word. Uh, I'll let you guys do, do your thing on this one. Let's plow through these guys. Got lots of time to talk about. Uh, them, and then we'll do the Raiders and move on to the NFC. Honestly, not much has changed with the Chiefs. They're just sort of concerned about Jamal Charles and talking about how they're not going to rush him back. That means probably no preseason for JC this year. Uh, The rest of the guys, you know, we pretty much know what the rest of the team is. It's going to run through Macklin. It's going to run through Kelsey. And they haven't been talking very much about how it's going to be an aired-out type offense. We knew that's something that wasn't going to happen. So... You know, just expect to see JC week one and don't expect him in any of the preseason. Yeah, and I think Jamal, you know, his numbers have been kind of incrementally going down a little bit. Now they got these two guys that I think earned a little bit more play, whether you are on the where or the West train personally. I, I think I'm on West. I believe Staggs is probably on where. Uh, but I looked up in uh, red zone rushes. West, according to Pro Football Reference, I got more of the red zone rushing share, uh, which I found surprising. I thought it was more neck and neck, um, but personally, 
I think they're going to eat into Jamal's carries uh, a little bit. I think they've earned that. So I, I expect Jamal to fall a little bit. I've got him ranked a little lower in my tiers. Um, what do you guys think about Jamal? you think he's going to fall off a little bit with the two other guys? No. I, I think he falls off a little bit, but it's still, it's still, you know, still he's still the man. He's still a top, I mean, top 13 pick. Uh, I think oh, he's yeah. he's going to slip a little bit and be and, and, and bring a little more value. I mean, he's gone fourth, fifth, or sixth, I'd say, in the last five years. Uh, my thing that I'm fearful, not for uh, and uh, Charles, and it's never to be good to come back from an injury, but he's done it before, and it didn't really seem to affect him in in times past. Uh, but Doug Peterson's gone, you know. There's 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 a changing of guard. It's always going to be that Andy Reid situation. They're always going to need to run the ball. They've got that game manager kind of quarterback uh, in Alex Smith, who kind of came out of that shell a little bit last year. But um, I'm a little more worried about just you know whenever a new offensive system or not system but coordinator and and, and a guy leaves, it just things change a little bit. And yeah, I agree with you. I think Ware and um, the other uh, West uh, are going to get some opportunities, but, but I don't West, know. Doug Peterson has called exactly a half of a football game um, in terms of play calling while he's with the Chiefs. Is that the case? So he's just he was just a glorified <laughs> offense coordinator to run during practice. It's still yep. it's still the wal the walrus is 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 calling the plays. All right. Yep. Fair enough. I sh- I should I should have known that. I read your I read your uh, know 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 the staff piece, and that was something you were driving home. Uh, but shut up, okay? Quit having all these facts and bringing all this information. I'm trying to just shoot from the hip every once in a while here, and I will say this: Kansas City is just one of those teams that I know less about than probably anybody else because I just don't really staff players on my fantasy teams from them and haven't well, for there's ages. just not that many to staff. I don't know. Uh, not big on receptions uh, with that team. We all know the touchdown story from a few years ago, but I mean, besides Macklin and uh, Kelsey, receiver-wise, uh, nothing too hot. Oh, they got Albert or whatever. Uh, but just not much going on there, you know? It's, um, it's Kansas City. It is what it is. Kansas City, great barbecue, not great wide receivers. Um, give a shout out to Woodyard Back uh, Backyard Barbecue, Kieran Malloy, my boy. I went to KU with. Uh, he's been getting some good press out there in Kansas City with his barbecue. Um, God damn, Strouds, Gates, all that good stuff. You, anybody that listens to us from Case Kansas City, do me a favor, send me some barbecue. We'll, we'll eat. We'll eat some barbecue. If there's a place that'll ship barbecue, we'll we'll barbecue it up. Uh, or we'll just heat it up and we'll 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 eat it on one of the shows. Um, get our mouses and all our papers and everything all barbecued up. Raiders, is there a team that's set up for the fall and and on a, a letdown because everyone's so hot on them at every level than this team? Uh, what do you got? What are you guys' expectations? Uh, Stags, I'll let you start with them. Um, and what are you hearing out of the OTAs? They're expected to be one of the rising teams in the NFC West. Guys are expecting these guys to 
potentially be a playoff team next year. And a lot of that, they're not really expecting any changes on the offensive side of the ball. What they're expecting is a, a solidification of the offensive line and then that defense to sort of build, take another step forward, Khalil Mack to continue to be a monster, and the other added weapons to sort of take away from their deficiencies from last year. So the Raiders, this the is Raiders, a team that Raiders, shouldn't change Raiders, too much for fantasy football respects, but defensively they could be a lot the Raiders, better. The Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders. Currently, offensive line is the best Offensive line on paper, they've got them rated higher than the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the, you know, say that. I'm sorry. You know, say that. Um, well, not only do I like the O line as many folks do, but uh, I really like Latavius Murray. He's he's a guy I always kind of flip back and forth on. But I said earlier that Ivory had the highest amount of target share uh, of running. Inside the five, I'm sorry, Ivory had. Uh, Ivory had the most attempts inside you. the five, but Latavius Murray had a higher uh, percentage share of his teams. And Latavius rushes. led inside the ten and inside the twenty, which I thought was surprising. Um, so I, I looking that up and knowing now, I know red zone. There's not a lot we're talking about there. It's low numbers, so it doesn't often correlate from year to year. But with that offensive line and with the amount they used him in the red zone, I'm really liking Latavius Murray. Uh, my only question is, how much do they like him? Because there's a lot of talk about you know uh, the who the DeAndre Washington um, and how much target or a team share that they're going to get and how that pie is going to split. I, I haven't heard much about DeAndre Washington. All the sort of words has been about Latavius Murray. Just the questions are, they don't seem to want to give Latavius Murray, uh, you know, the big slice of the pie that they gave him last year. They want to ramp him back a little bit and hopefully get some more of those big hitting plays that he showed in his uh, second season there, and especially on that Thursday night game against Kansas City. Now, the passing game I'm concerned with, with uh, a little bit of regression, Derek Carr had a horrible second half of the season. I want to say he had six games in the first eight where he was over 20 fantasy points, only one in the last half of the season. Um, we saw it all, you know, it's a chicken or the egg, but we saw the same thing with, with his receivers there. And Crabtree, he inked his deal. We know Crabtree likes the money. That was one reason I was high on him last year. It was a contract year. He's inked his deal, so I... That's some street narrative. You know, that's nothing to, to back that up in the numbers, but... I don't think we're going to see the same performance out of Crabtree. The thing with Derek Carr is he faced the toughest slate of defenses against in terms of quarterback point fantasy points allowed uh, through the entire season and you know going through the weeks by weeks that what the defense was allowing at the time, his slate was the toughest. They only allowed 15 fantasy points a game against opposing quarterbacks at the time Derek Carr played against So that them. could be your chicken and then the egg, right? They, they faced. And just remember, he's got a tough. Uh, he's got a tough schedule again this year. Pretty sure. Um, let me look at this thing. Oh, this pyro draft kit. You treat me so well again and again. Tough schedule. Where am I? I'm not seeing the Raiders. Raiders. Oakland, twenty seventh easiest. Hardest. Well, so they're hard. 
Yeah, they 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 got they they got a bad schedule again. So that's 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 not good news for Derek Carr. I agree with you on the uh, contract. I like Crabtree. I think he's got some of the best hands in the league. I don't think he's there's any way that he's going to be able to kind of repeat the magic that he was able to do last year. Um, the question is, and, and is Walt, you know, with them is, is, is Walford, Gashney, ATV, and um, can he come in and be a, be a guy that brings that dynamic extra element to the mix? Uh, is Seth Roberts the real deal? I mean, there were weeks last year that that guy was uh, touchdown um, making things happen at the wide receiver position and making fantasy owners like, uh, crab tr- I'm starting Crabtree or Cooper. Who's this friggin' Seth Roberts guy? I could see. I like all that stuff for Carr, except for straight schedule. I could schedule. see Seth Roberts kind of sneaking in the numbers that I expect Crabtree to lose. I don't think Crabtree's going to – he doesn't have that want-it mentality now that he's got the money. Remember when he came out of Texas Tech, didn't want to sign, uh, wasted all that time for the money. Now he's inked his deal. I could see Seth creeping up and taking some of Crabtree's performance and just talk to David T. We haven't even done the tight end show yet, and he's already talking Walford. This is only his second year. Uh, tight ends take several to get used to it in the season uh, before we really see tight end production. So Walford, one to keep an eye on. And he's losing his time right now to be bonding and gelling and figuring stuff out in these OTAs because he's an idiot and he's going and doing jump, trying to jump over uh, the Indiana Dunes. Uh, ooh, I just had a scare here, guys. I hope, 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 hope all's well. But I just had a little trickle on the lights. Kind of like Rambo is electrocuting somebody or getting electrocuted in the in the background. My lights in the house kind of tick, tickled a little bit uh, on the latest lightning. So, come on, Zencaster, come on, Internet. Jeez, uh, Louise. All right, uh, let's let's move on from the Raiders. And before we hop over to the NFC, NFC, the only place to be. We'll start with the NFC East. Um, <laughs> Just before I do it, I watched uh, some Ali G last night. The early Ali G stuff. Oh my god, I just love it. Technology. Just love the guy. Uh, if you don't know much about uh, Sasha Baron Cohen or Ali G, go on and do some YouTubing and have some fun. It is good, good laughs. All right, Dallas Cowboys. I've read. Uh, you know, we're, we're all talking about Elliot. Uh, let's just let's just let's just throw it all down there. What's going to happen with this guy? Is he is he going to be the number one running back? Uh, is he, could he finish top three, uh, or is he going to be a bust this year? I think his I think Idiot. his bust potential is very low. Uh, you know, I think he's one of the guys with more suitable sort of workloads coming into the season. He's going to be a guy that catches the ball. He's going to be a guy that rushes in between the tackles. He's going to be a guy that does it in the red zone. He's going to be a guy who doesn't drop his phone and break his elbow. Um, <laughs> so I think he, he, he's got that all going for him. You know, Alfred Morris is more of a... Can I say one thing? Sorry to interrupt you. But did you hear the quote from uh, Jerry Jones this week? He's like, I trust him. I love this guy. And the end of his quote was no joke. He goes, he just had to try and get that phone. Like, he's sticking up for the broken elbow and just saying, just the conversation I had with him, he just had to get that phone. <laughs> I mean, when you're texting a bunch of uh, girls off back pages, you got to keep your phone close. 
I do all that stuff actually on on my computer via a, a Google phone number that I have. Wait, what? <laughs> so so ridiculous that a run DNP, the greatest character we ever have. Because if he if he moved teams every week of the year and played on every single team uh, in the league, it doesn't matter. The character doesn't have to change. Uh, run DNP, check him out. Our pyro character, but. God, right, right, right. When you, you just think that he might have figured it out. Uh, quick question for you, and then I'm going to shut up on the Cowboys and uh, let's breeze through them a little bit because we know that's the team we'll talk about a lot uh, this off season. Do you think that Alba reaching for the diving for the phone elbow injury is total bullshit, or is it true? I don't think you can make shit like that up. <laughs> what, what's your call, Mo? Bullshit I don't know. or I think not? It's BS. I, Lord knows what's going on down there, and that's that's a, that's a nice little cover story, if you ask me. I'm a conspiracy theorist, Oliver Stone. I know the drill. I know what's going on out there. Cover stories. <laughs> I, I I agree. I agree. But he just had to get that phone. All right, you guys. You guys. I'm gonna shut up for All a right, bit. Who do, what are you guys thinking for the Cowboys? I don't really have any questions with Ezekiel Elliott. I don't have any questions with Dez. My major concerns lie with Romo, and it's not because of health. It's more because of uh, the last season they had, you know, DeMarco Murray there. His pass attempts were way down. Uh, they, they only attempted, you know, like 27th in the league in pass attempts. Uh, and he was highly, highly efficient. And his fantasy points per attempt were just crazy high that I don't think he can get back to that level, but who knows with Dez. What do you think, Mo? I think he might be able to get back to it. They, they've got a stable of running backs, and I, I don't think they're going to DeMarco Murray it. They knew they had DeMarco at the end of his contract. They ran him into the ground. They got a, a rookie they're going to protect, and they got uh, plenty of other ball carriers and even Dunbar, who I know is banged up, but catching out of the backfield. The stable of backs there that can really uh, set up the play action. Uh, I'm not as big on Terrence Williams as many folks are. As old as old man uh, Jason Witten is, he, he's still a security blanket. So I, I could see Romo as being pretty uh, outside. I don't know. I've got him ranked outside my top 12. Uh, but I think he's going to do well in that offense. I don't know necessarily for fantasy. I really think he's going to have weeks where he's in the top 10. Uh, but that's about it. Streaming type guy, uh, although I'm sure some folks will own him, but I think Dez can return to glory. You know, we saw, what, 16 touchdowns in 2014, uh, up to last year when he was injured. Every single season since he came in, his touchdowns have increased, and I really think uh, we're going to see a return to that. I I'm liking Dez a lot this year, and I think the, the running backs, although I don't think they're going to be as running heavy as many think, I think the running backs are going to help Dez. I still think they're going to be very run heavy. Uh, it's just what they sort of drafted Elliott for. That's what that offensive line is built for. It's how they want to protect Romo. And, yeah, if they want to run play action, it helps if you run it more than 50% of the time. It gives them a big advantage against defenses. It makes it hard for them to pull a defender out to cover Dez uh, extra. So I think they'll still be a very run-heavy team, but the rest of the weapons there for sort of Tony Romo besides Witten and Dez, I, I'm pretty much avoiding. I'm, I'm off the Terrence Williams train. Yeah, me too. I've heard some talk about that. I just, 
I just don't see it. And I just think Dez is, is too good. You know, like I said, every year he's increased in his uh, touchdowns since he's come into the league. Um, he's 16 in 2014, 13 uh, the year before that, 12 the year before that, 9 in his sophomore season. Uh, I'm really liking things for Des this year. If, uh, like Dave T. Thomas, though, if Romo is making like Venus de Milo, can't keep his hands on his body. If, uh, if he can hobble through a season, <laughs> then I'm liking Des. Uh, best overall strength of schedule, Tony Romo, Valverde. Sounds like gunshots going off <laughs> for me with how loud it is. Are you partying and, with the... It, <laughs> is that is that the, the thunder you're referring to nah, in the background? The, the Valverdes. The Valverdes. I'm four, I'm four deep. It's good times. This stuff gives me a great buzz. I love you too, Hearted. <laughs> We're going to be good friends, I think. All right, let's move on to the Eagles. We, don't, we, can, we can talk about the Cowboys again later. Philadelphia Eagles... Um, I don't know. You know, let's just quickly go breeze through them. Obviously, Matthews, the hype train is building. You were talking about uh, Duke Johnson and how much he's been catapulting and how you still like a Matthews. I'm telling you right now, Matthews is going to, if he stays healthy uh, during be, throughout this offseason, this is a guy that's going to be up, up, up. He's going to be a stock riser to the point that when drafts finally come, so much talk has been happening about this guy that he might not be the value. But right now he is, no question about it, who's – Who's going to come in? Is it um, is it that Wendell Smallwood? Um, as I show my Donald Trump hands, um, or who's the other guy? They're saying Barner. Barner. They're saying he's a bubbler. Is is there anyone on this team? They're trying to get rid of Sproles. They got rid of. Uh, is there anyone on this team that's going to give a run for the money at well, the running back position? Are you scared? I'm really liking uh, Matthews. I'm planting my flag, growing. Uh, Sixth round, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he is the running back taken right before Duke Johnson. Um, in, in the last month, he's climbed about 10 positions, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and I'm looking at PPR. That's mostly what I play. Um, so sixth round PPR. Now, the question's going to be, though, who's the handcuff? Because he is a guy I could see wanting to handcuff in the Peterson offense with his history. So that's the question. Dave T. Thomas comes on and says he's hearing from OTA camp and, and talk about Kenyon Barner. I read a report uh, from ESPN saying that Barner might not even make the team. So it's, it's certainly one to keep an eye on. Smallwood I wasn't as super as impressed with. Um, but it's one to keep an eye on. I At this point, I don't know who that backup is, but I think it's important to know. Like I said, with his injury history and the Peterson offense, I love what Matthews can do. Like I said last year, he was the only Philly guy to rush for over four yards. And according to Roto-Wire, he rushed 5.1 yards a carry. So Matthews is my man. I hope he can hold on. And the question is, if he can't, who's the next guy up? If, if Matthews starts moving up like I think, and he's an early fifth rounder or a late fourth rounder, like I kind of think is going to happen. He's, he's kind of one of the only things really happening on, on that team. And uh, he has done it before, uh, and people sometimes are – are able to weed out the uh, the injury. They try to murder. 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 They try to move him out of the slot. Didn't look very good there. So 
Uh, Aguilar, we got Lord knows what's going on there. So wide receivers, I'm not too high on. Matthews, I love, but uh, not too high on the wide receivers. And I'm, I'm kind of losing it in Ertz, too, just looking at his touchdown dependency as well. But what's your take, Stags? I'm thinking big things for Ertz in a Peterson offense. I think he put up pretty similar numbers to a Kelsey uh, over the last couple years. And, you know, getting him at, at sort of a Kelsey-like price a couple seasons ago, I think that's going to pay off for you. Ryan Matthews. I, agreed. Completely agreed Ryan Matthews there. I really like. I, I mean, he's just so efficient on his touches that yeah. when he can stay healthy, he, he's going to put up good numbers for you. And even if he misses two, three games, uh, you know, that might be on the low side for Matthews. You'll be able to, you know, make things happen because he, you're drafting him as – you know, a low-end RB2, you know, uh, Fantasy Pros currently has him in the fifth round. So it's not the same sort of value. But he's... Well, be, before you go on with your uh, stag party, uh, your Aguilar, what's going on, you mentioned that. Uh, one, I got a quick anecdotal story. At Arcadia Brewery, um, I was walking out, headed to my car to drive home, and... Um, a guy was walked out of his car and he had a uh, he had a Jordan Matthews jersey on. He was with his girl, and they're walking. I'm walking out of the place and he's walking in. I'm like Jordan Matthews, man. What do you think's gonna happen? Before he even answered me, he looks at he looks at his girl. He goes, "See, see, people know who this guy is." <laughs> it was hilarious. His girlfriend must have been ripping on him. like Jordan Matthews. You got a Jordan Matthews jersey? Who the hell's Jordan Matthews? Like ripping him on the jersey. He wears it out. I'm giving him props on the Jordan Matthews conversation starter. First thing before he even responds back to me, he looks at his girl like he wanted to slap her and be like, "See, this is a hot jersey." <laughs> hilarious. Hot, t- hot Go take, on. bro. I mean. Hot Jordan pick. Matthews is the, the receiver I'll draft. I don't think I'm going to spend any picks on uh, Ruben Randall or Nelson Aguilar this year. Lots of hype uh, about uh, Ruben Randall. Yeah, the, the hype. Ruben Randall's off my tears. I don't. I won't even include that's, him. That's harsh for a guy who's only like 24 years old, 25 years old still. Uh, but yeah, Ertz I like. Matthews I like. Quarterback situation. I'm going to stay completely away from. Uh, I just hope it's sort of Bradford for these other guys' fantasy prospects, at least early in the season. Uh, besides that... Yeah. Well, Aguilar, Aguilar's, you, you mentioned as one of your things, comes out this week. Who knows what the truth is and whatnot, but a sexual assault case can't be good. This is a guy that right now is being accused of sexual assault. Uh, not a good time for a guy that actually, when you thought about it, and we are talking about stuff like one year ago, as you say, and... Uh, Dave T. loved him, and we all loved him. Everybody loved him. Everyone thought he was a surefire um, good guy, a surefire player year one right out of the gates. And with all the news that's happening, it's kind of like that guy was able to um, he was able to hide all his demons and, uh, and, and shortcomings uh, up until he got drafted. But too bad he couldn't do it until his first big contract. Let's hit up that next team. Who we got? Uh, New York Giants, the football guys. Um, I'm going to let you guys talk. ODB is ODB. And uh, we know where we're going next with their rookie guy. You guys talk about him. Talk about Ty if you want. And let's uh, let's let's plow through this team. Yeah, Eli is Eli. ODB is ODB. 
the question marks at this team are, you know, wide receiver two, where they're expecting Sterling Shepard to sort of be a transcendent guy, be able to get open, be able to open the field for, uh, you know, ODB a little bit. And Will Ty is apparently the guy, at least for now, that they're using with their first team offense. And his ability to catch the ball is providing, you know, a little bit of spark in OTAs. Besides that, you know, the run game, they're saying Rashad Jennings is still going to be the bell cow there. Uh, and the rest of the guys, uh, they're all going to have to fight and scrap. Shane Vereen's still going to get his. But the rest of these guys in the backfield, you know, it's going to be tough for Paul Perkins to get in at least early. Yeah, uh, Paul Perkins, I, I, he's another one I think you might be able to get off the waiver wire later. Um, as maybe people draft him, there's so many running backs there. Uh, Shane Vereen, of course, still has his role. But Paul Perkins, I could see guys dropping him, and there's certainly some opportunity there. I really kind of think Rashard Jennings, he's probably the last, you know, people say Gore going in the seventh round. Rashard Jennings, I, I want to say ninth round, but he's really the last number one starting running back you can get. Finish up. Isaiah Crowell. Is it Crowell <laughs> going behind Jennings? Yeah, that's finished it. up the season. Jennings, 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 do you really want Jennings? I mean, I think this is the year that Jennings finally is, is kind of out he of the league. He finished up the season well, but that's why I think um, Perkins is going to be the guy you can scoop because I could see Jennings getting injured. I could see Jennings having a first uh, good run and then losing steam, getting injured, where and then you know scooping up Perkins. Um, of course, the offense, I think, is going well. For uh, McAdoo's offense, of course, now he's the head coach. Uh, he's been top 10 the last two years when he was offensive uh, coordinator for uh, offensive passing. He's doing phenomenal with Eli. Eli, last two years, has the second most red zone attempts. And, boy, with an ODB, a lot of attention. This is Dave T. Thomas's guy. Uh, but a lot of attention is getting paid to Sterling Shepard. Dave T. Thomas said over 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns for Sterling. Double-digit touchdowns is insane. Yeah. I like I like that, but last last year Aguilar was his he guy. He didn't make a claim um, like that. He just said was, Aguilar was the best route yeah. runner he's seen. That's true. That's true. Um, all right, well, let's see, let's see what happens with Ty. Um, let's see. That team... I think you stay where you stay where you know what you're going to get, and I do like a Sterling Shepard. I think I've got him as number 20, and it definitely did move him up a little bit because of that awesome podcast bit. with Dave too. <laughs> I, a lot, bit, a lot, bit. but I'm I, to be honest, I decided this this round. I'm not worried. There, I like uh, I like a lot of these tight ends. I mean, uh, wide receivers. I'm not scared of rookie wide receivers. Screw it. Sometimes it backfires on you, but I, I think right now I'm not scared to, to, to roll the dice. I love a Treadwell. I like Corey Coleman a lot as well, but I just w- hate that team. But uh, Sterling, I mean, I just think him and him and ODB could just be just lighting it up week in and week out. I do agree. The 10 touchdowns is ridiculous. But uh, if it happens, money, 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 money. All right, let's move on to the next team, Washington Redskins. I'll try and I'm not going to say much here. You know I love the quarterback. You know I love the running back, and you know I love the. the I think it's second best wide receiver crew in football. Um, 
what's not to like? The strength of schedule is favorable across the board. I'm buying in. I just I hope they don't sign um, you know cousins to the mega deal before the season. I don't think they will. But um, I think there's a lot of just perfect timing on this team where there's going to be a lot of people working really hard to prove that they're even a good team. And I'm not sure they are that, but for fantasy football, this is going to be a power in numbers team. I've destroyed the Washington Redskins on many of occasions. Uh, I don't really have much to say. I think I've gotten all my... All my uh, Washington Redskins hate out. What do you think, Mo? Well, I like the Redskins. I don't know if it's going to be necessarily repeatable uh, what they did last year as far as that offensive output. They're great at home, not as great on the road. Uh, but they, like Dee said, they've got a lot of weapons, and I don't know if they're all going to stick around. Uh, we hear talks about Garcon going, and certainly in two years they're going to be some of those guys are gone. Um, but Deshaun Jackson, the guy I really like in best ball formats. Matt Jones, he still concerns me a little bit now. <laughs> I flip-flop on this because I say yards per carry. They don't doesn't mean that much. But an uh, interesting tweet, and I retweeted it from the all-in kid. Uh, he noted that it was 46 carries. So we're talking small sample size, but I believe it was 46 carries for Matt Jones, weeks 14 through 16, averaged 3.0 yards per carry. Lots of opportunity for Matt Jones, but uh, he's a he's a kid I want to pull up the game tape on an NFL Game Pass and really sit down and watch him. I'd like you to do that. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Jordan Reed, the best weapon on there on that team, uh, and Crowder, who I really like. Uh, I think he's a guy that um, is very underrated right now. If Deshaun Jackson does get hurt, like he always does. Uh, I like a Crowder who's basically a kind of guy that you can, can be Mr. Irrelevant for whatever reason. He's probably more of a waiver wire guy. I have huge, I, I, in all my leagues, we like draft 24 rounds. But I like a Crowder, man. That guy just seemed, I like him. Considering he was a rookie last year and what he was able to do, he's a white beater, but he's, um, he, he's a good player. So he, he wears white T-shirts with the, uh, the cutoff thing? Or no, that's not what you're talking Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Crowder, exactly. though. I, I like him, too, but, man, a lot of pass catchers there, right? Deshaun, Garcon, Doxon, Jordan Reed, even uh, Thompson coming out of the backfield. It's, it's just this offense, are they going to sustain? They're playing in a great division to put up some points, and uh, I'm re- I think it revolves around Cousins. Are we going to see what we saw last year, or is there regression coming? I think there's a little regression coming. Cool. I hope I don't overdraft him, but I'm going in. I'm riding and dying. NFC North, our Chicago Bears. Oh, my God. I'm sad to say that I've heard some people that are at the Bears OTAs and think that my favorite guy, Mr. Bucktooth, uh, Lauren Hutt in space like myself, man, Kevin White is looking like a project. Um... That's a bummer. The talent's there. Everyone's saying that. Everyone knows that he looks like he's got the NFL body, the NFL athleticism, but uh, people are worried that he is having a hard time grasping uh, the playbook, the routes, and the timing. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, he was a guy Paul Charging picked as one of his sleepers. Guy I really like. Uh, blazing speed. I want to say 4.35 or something. Just blazing speed. 
Um, and we've seen that offense sustain two pass catchers when uh, Marshall was there. Jeffrey, I love the way he makes contested catches. I think it would bode well for the offense uh, to have Jeffrey and White step up. Not a big fan of the running back game there, but that's too bad to hear of uh, about White. Uh, hopefully that's OTA news and he can get that cleared, fixed up, but... Uh, Speaking of watching game film on Game Pass, I did watch all of Langford's carries. Honestly, he had about two runs that really, I think, weighted his stats, and they were runs that you could drive. A, one, I'm thinking of, I think it was week 10, you could drive a truck through that hole that he busted off a long run on. Didn't see much from Langford. I am not a Langford fan, personally. Lakeford, the only reason you're liking him is you think he's going to be the first guy up to get volume. Uh, outside of that, he's not very impressive. He's got he's got good size and good speed, so if the offensive line solidifies a little bit more, which they spent a lot of sort of money on and draft capital in the last couple of years trying to fix, then you know he's a guy who's a pro who can run behind a good offensive line. Do I think he's a guy who can make it happen on his own? Not necessarily. But Kadeem Carey is also a guy who can't do that. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Howard, you know, we've got to see it at the NFL level, but he's more of a thumper who's going to get you four yards of carry just running into the back of all linemen because he doesn't have great vision. Um, so all, all these running backs, I, I think the Bears are hoping for a high draft pick so they get to draft one of these, you know, demolition men next year. One thing I'll say about the Bears and, and the way the Fox um, kind of works the angles is that is a team. When you hear everything's good, everything's golden, everything across OTAs is just everyone's awesome. We're awesome. We love everything, and we're reaffirming our draft picks and everything. Fox is definitely more of a guy that's kind of playing the opposite angle and a, more of a motivator. So hopefully that Kevin White thing is that sort of game. Um and I agree, the running back situation is worrisome. It's too bad to see Forte go. And what is our situation at yeah. tight end? I mean, is this is this a, a Harvard kid or a, what's his name? Brown Brown Broad Leland? Brian 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 <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It's a rookie tight end, so it's Zach Miller, then Rob Hausler and Tony Moya. He went to Harvard though, didn't he? Great. Well, how does that? He's smart. He's, he's how, how does that help him be ready to be a tight end on the NFL football field? He's smart. He's a quick learner. Yeah, he's not going to be a good fantasy tight end in the rookie season. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Thoughts? But the, the, we got a city, we got a shitty situation there, and we got rid of Bennett. It's just kind of weird that the, it doesn't seem like there's going to be that much happening other than Cutler, who seems happy. Everyone's talking about how everything's hunky dory with. Cutler in his last year as a Chicago Bear. But yeah, Martellus, they got rid of him for nothing, and then they didn't really fill that hole. Yep. What's your thoughts on All Miller? Right. We've got Let's him move. collectively ranked at, at 21. Uh, I've got him basically right there, uh, 18, I believe. Here's a guy, 31 years old. I know it takes a while for tight ends to really figure it out in the league. Never had more than 50 targets in a season. So you can't be happy with with Miller, or do you see some untapped potential there? Do you, do you like what you got there? No. I mean, he's untapped potential because he was out of the league for four years. Uh, so, yeah, that's exciting from an injury standpoint. 
and just playing standpoint, he hasn't had very many reps at the NFL level. Uh, we've just got to... I mean, the things you saw were in small sample size mm-hmm. in games that Martellus Bennett were out, and he shined. He caught some nice passes, but this is a guy who's got some question marks, so that's why he's ranked where I've got him. Detroit Lions. Uh, you hear Stafford saying this week that they think they might be a better offense, a more lethal offense to be able to spread it around without Megatron. As Megatron decides, you know what, I'm coming back. I'm going to go play for another team. Uh what are your thoughts there, Amir Abdullah? That's a that's a polarizing player. That's kind of you're on board and think he's gonna come out of no come out and be uh, be a great back in his sophomore year. Uh, and the other side just is is not seeing anything. A lot of running back situate players there. What are your thoughts in general? Let's kind of quickly talk about Detroit. I don't want to spend literally more than two minutes on this team. Um, what do you think? Mo, you go. You're Detroit. I I can already see Stags lean back in his chair as if I'm yeah, out. Yeah, I'm not real sure what to think about Amir Abdullah. I think I'm higher on him this year than maybe most are, uh, but I'm still not holding my breath. I, I'm not a big Amir guy. I I think Riddick still holds a lot of great value as the uh, in a PPR league, um, beat writers have talking about how they're trying to get Riddick more rushes, although I think he had, what, 46 or something last year, so how is that hard to do? But I think Riddick's going to be a bigger part of this offense, or at least that's what we're, we're hearing from some beat writers. And I, I think with the loss of Megatron, it doesn't elevate necessarily one person, but I think it elevates several, uh, and I could, I could see Ebron having a bit of a breakout season. This is a kid we're talking drafted very high first round. I think it was 10th overall or 15th, 10th. Ahead, ahead of who, Mo? Oh, God, it was ahead of Odell Beckham, right? That was, the, yeah. the thing that haunts <laughs> me every night. Oh, we could have had what we could have had, but that's the story of the city of Detroit. Uh, guys, we could have been what could have been what should have been. But uh, Ebron... Who, uh, who is this? You they, took Ebron? In the draft, yeah, they took Ebron really early, even though we had numerous guys at that time, and we all ask, why are they drafting another tight end? We, we think Baltimore has four you know, tight ends. At that time, they had a bunch of tight ends, and they took him over Odell Beckham Jr. That is, that's nuts. Um, quickly, yeah, I don't know. Not quickly. You got anything else to say in Detroit? Just that. Well, another one uh, I'll throw out to you. Uh, I think Ebron could be sneaky value. And I want to, this is the caveat I'm going to throw out. I, I want to see it in training camp. But Zach Zenner uh, led uh, a lot of categories in the preseason last year. Uh, got a bad um, injury that's not going to reoccur. I want to see what Zenner can do. They got a lot of running backs there, but I think Zenner could have some goal line potential uh, between the tackles. And I, I like Zenner. And again, Theo Riddick, I think represents people just don't like him. He represents value in PPR leagues. The last thing I'll say on this team about Amir Abdullah, if on November 4th, uh, Donald Trump does win the election, just remember this, and he's on your fantasy football team. Uh, he will get deported. Amir Abdul will get deported, so he'll no longer be able to play and be in America 
and and play on your fantasy football team. So just remember, you only have Amir Abdullah potentially if Trump gets elected uh, up and through the 5th of November. I said earlier I wasn't going to get political, but I just had to do it. There, he's going to get he's getting all the Muslims out. So Amir Abdullah, if Trump goes, I don't know if you're going to be able to play in the NFL anymore. Let's go on to the uh, Green Bay Packers. Smooth transition. <laughs> I just know Mo loves the stuff. You, on the other hand, you're like your heart slows down. You're already hot. You're sweating. I don't want to. I don't want to put you through too many too many things over there, stag party. Uh, Green Bay Packers. I've been hearing nothing about Jordy Nelson, but that's just because Jordy Nelson ain't going to be doing anything until the week one. Uh, what what else? He, what, what else we got to talk well, about? As far as Jordy Nelson, I remember doing a pyro light with Will Carroll. Um, he, at the time, was probably most concerned. He's an injury expert for uh, a FanDuel. He, Will Carroll, at the time, this is about a month and a half ago, uh, was most concerned with Le'Veon Bell, and that's one of the reasons I've got Le'Veon Bell down as far as I do in my rankings. But he was most high on, as far as guys that were injured last season and projecting how they're going to be in the 2016 season, most high on Jordy Nelson. Um, so I, I think the injury is behind him. A lot of that, though, is going to be mental. Can he mentally make the cuts, and does he feel 100% that he can do what we all know he can do? And I think once he gets through those first couple of games, I really like Nelson. Don't have him as high as Dog does, uh, but he's certainly right up there. Uh, I've kind of lost faith in uh, some of the other guys. I might see Janice maybe maybe doing something. I still like a Lacey. Um, mo, yo. mo, mo. Uh, I had a re- I had a connection issue there for a minute, so hold on. I'm putting this down as an edit, but let's. Um, I, I saw when it happened, but let's get back to your um, the start of what okay. you were saying there. But do me a favor. We got to keep this to OTAs to go forward. Let's not talk about it, Jordy, okay. uh, um, too much. Um, it's still recording, but I saw it say disconnected after you started talking. So let's start again on I'll do my best to thing. keep the OTAs, tur- although I'm going to stray. No, it's all good. You're, you're doing great. I just, it's too, we're, we're, we're rolling it. We're, I just don't want us to go three and a half hours. Okay, one, two, three, go. The Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm, I'm liking a lot of things what I see. Jordy Nelson, Will Carroll, uh, an injury expert, really likes um, his rebound potential this year. One of the guys... Will Carroll, who works for FanDuel, was most concerned with was Le'Veon Bell. The guy he was most high on was Jordy Nelson. So I think that bodes well. Personally, I like Lacey, although I heard he, he he's still uh, kind of heavy and still talking to the uh, uh, fitness weight expert, the, the P90X guy, still coming in at like 240 is what I, I, I think the number was. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, I'm not too concerned about his weight. I want him to be more at 230 than 260. So the closer he is to that, the better I feel about it. Uh, the rest of this team, we know who the Packers stars are. The Packers stars should be drafted like they're stars until they prove that they're not. And maybe the only guy that proved that he was not was sort of Randall Cobb last season, but he also have. didn't have that. Uh, yeah, but he, when did he prove he was a star? Sure. I mean... So, but people, people were loving him. Everyone was ready to hand yeah. it, the dogmatic model is the is the fourth wide receiver on the team is the guy, and uh, 
that guy now is a guy that's getting a lot of props. No, no, no shock. Maybe dogmatic his words have, have permeated the industry, but you hear a lot of people talking about Janice right now. It's like that he's going to get some sort of opportunity. Uh, if the value's there on that pick, hey, amen, I'm in on it. But if he starts rising and his ADP starts becoming unfavorable, don't be the don't be the guy that makes that mistake uh, unless you really think there's going to be an well, injury. Ty Montgomery, a lot of hype last year, got injured, injured again. Uh, so he's another guy, but like you say, Janice, although I don't think he's ever really connected with uh, Rodgers. Rodgers, I don't think, has much faith in uh, the Janice, what's in his head, right? Um, not always where he's supposed to be, according to Aaron Rodgers. One guy I'm interested in, though, Jared Cook. This guy, off the charts, uh, physical talent, incredible uh, he's had some great week ones for many of us Jared Cook owners. Never really put it together, but I think Richard Rodgers is just a guy kind of interested to see camp with Jared Cook and Richard Rodgers there. Nice. You want to – I agree. That's, it, should be interest, it should be interesting. Cook, a lot of, my, a lot of fantasy talk. Not a lot of deliverables, but he's never been in a situation quite like this. Is he uh, – In his measurables – <sighs> Who knows? What, tight ends is a weird position. It's like I, I feel like I'm going to grab a couple of those t- higher end guys, higher than even a, a Jared Cook, and just do kind of what I did last year with with uh, that Eifert and, and Kelsey connection. I don't want to get stuck with too much of a question mark. And Cook could end up being a top three, top four guy, but he also could end up being yep. wide Cook. array of outcomes there. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Minnesota I'm Vikings. I'm sorry. Sorry, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, my eyes. Minnesota Vikings, the Vikes, the Twin Cities, new stadium. Is that opening for this year or this is that year. next year? That's this year. So that thing, that thing looks super dope. Uh, you got guys like Adrian Peterson saying it's championship or bust. We got to have that mentality. Uh, what else are you hearing out of OTAs? Um Go for it, guys. Anyone anyone want in? Stag party. So the big thing is AP's apparently working on running from the shotgun, yep. trying to get better out of that uh, formation as he sort of struggled that early in the year. And then they sort of changed the offense to, to allow him to run from uh, you know behind center, under center quarterback last year. So he's trying to improve that aspect of his game. He also says he wants to improve as a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it when I see it. Teddy Bridgewater, he gets to throw indoors. His splits when he was indoors are actually, you know, pretty decent. Eh, I'm not going to say pretty decent. They're a lot better for Teddy Bridgewater than they are playing outdoors. So he's got that going for him. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, not a lot of news on him. And, you know, not even a lot of news on a, a highly drafted rookie in Laquan Treadwell so far. The only news we're hearing about Treadwell is that he's got uh, 350,000 uh, gummy bear packages thrown in his Hilarious. car. <laughs> I'm liking the Treadwell uh, for what he can do after the catch. I think that's perfect for Bridgewater. Plus, they're going to be throwing indoor. It's an indoor stadium. Remember last year they were playing at uh, Minnesota while the new stadium was or the, the University of Minnesota. Uh, while the stadium was in construction. So I think that's going to help Treadwell uh, catch the ball run after the catch, that's perfect for Bridgewater. We saw the match that was not with uh, Mike Wallace. Those two didn't connect. I think Treadwell's the type of guy that can really help and spring AP on some downfield blocks. Treadwell's a great downfield blocker, 
and the fact that AP is working more out of the shotgun, either running it out of the shotgun, but also uh, going out on pass routes, should mean he's on the field a bit more. So I, I like that. I'm liking AP and liking Treadwell. Uh, out of all the rookie wide receivers, he's in my top three, I would say. Yeah, a lot, there's going to be a lot of short action for him. I agree with that. Uh, and Stags, before before you get to it, I, 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 really, I really definitely think that his hands and the fact that he kind of got spurned where if, before that injury that happened like literally it, while he was in the end zone at Old Miss, before that he was a top 10 pick. And you see that as he was dropping and he knew he wasn't going to be where he, he, he probably thought he should. He's ripped. That dude's ripped. You look at him, he's been working. He's been knowing, he's been working up to the draft and then not re- relinquishing because he is a guy that's counting, I think, people that passed up on him. You remember how you talked about Will Fuller earlier and how there's no discussion about him? Granted, we're not, there hasn't been much discussion about Treadwell either, but Fuller went ahead of him, Doxon went ahead of him. I, I think Corey Coleman should have gone ahead of him, but I think seeing his body and seeing how hard he's working, Treadwell is going to be um, something interesting if Teddy Bridgewater can friggin' uh, not be a noodle arm. The thing that concerns me just about every rookie, Mo tweeted this out earlier, is that rookies don't tend to finish very high in basically fantasy. Uh, Since 2009, an average of 3.4 running backs or wide receivers have finished in the top 24 at their position. So expecting more than a wide receiver 3, wide receiver 4 type flex numbers from any of these wide receivers seems sort of foolish. There's no sort of transcendent talent there this year that's going to get a boatload of targets on a high-powered offense like Amari Cooper last year to sort of take that step up. But no one thought last year, except for me, maybe some other people came up to it, that Amari Cooper was going to get a boatload of targets and was going to be, was was in a high-powered offense. Most people just thought that it was still the Raiders. I, I don't know about it's that. It's true. Most people, most people thought I was crazy that I, I thought he was going to do I told you a thousand and seven, and you said well, you said twelve hundred and twelve. Okay, regardless, I, most. I'm not talking. This wasn't a point at you. I'm talking about most people, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see with with, with Treadwell. I think that he just needs short game. I think he's going to get peppered with with targets. Who knows? Uh, is Diggs in discussion? Is anything happening there? Who knows? I'm going to keep my eye on that team. It seems like a, a good year for Minnesota, but it all relies on a guy that no one's got too much faith on, faith in, uh, and that's Bridgewater. So, should be excited. Should be excited to see where that one goes. Um, out of the NFC North, we're all NFC North guys. Who's winning the NFC North quickly, and then we'll move on. Green Bay to the Packers. South. Yep. Yeah. God damn it, those. However, the NFC North often is sending two teams to playoffs, so who else is going to go? Minnesota. Minnesota. And that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. Let's move on. NFC South. We want Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We want to really stretch the envelope with Winston, uh, who's got the hardest SOS, 32. What are your expectations? We want to open it up for Sims. Uh, Okay. A lot of, lot of interest. This is a team that has uh, got a lot of a lot of conversation going on. Let's uh, let's talk about them and uh, what what are you guys thinking? Tight, the tight end situation's got some action. Uh, Tampa Bay is uh, in, in news. 
I don't want to own any other wide receiver on that team besides Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to take a big step forward this year and sort of blend what he did last year with what he did his rookie season. Be able to, you know, have a, you know, giant fantasy season take a take a step into the upper echelon where he sort of deserves to be. ASJ is just being a bonehead. He doesn't really know what he's doing, and that that sort of scares me. And they're also saying, you know, Cameron Brait just has a knack for knowing what's going on, finding holes in the defense, and getting open in the red zone. And that's sort of all you want from your tight end. Um, besides that, the the running backs have the easiest strength of schedule uh, of any team in the league. And this is, you know, Charles Sims averaged 4.9 yards a carry. Doug Martin rushed for over 1,400 yards last year. So... You know, the thing is with Doug Martin, I just don't want to pay the price just in case he busts like he's done two of the four years in his career. I'm with you on Doug Martin. Uh, recently came out about Sims, uh, talking about what a great talent he is. Uh, he was one of the better guys, points per opportunity. Um he was uh, tied for 15th last year, so very productive. Once he gets the ball in his hands, whether it's running the ball or catching the ball, <clears throat> they uh, recently talked about how they're going to try to get him the ball more often and great schedule, and honestly, a great schedule across the board. I believe they're top 10 at every position. That's quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Tampa Bay is top 10 Going all the way across, fourth at quarterback, easiest, first at running back, as we mentioned, 10th wide receiver, third easiest for tight end. So it could be a lot of points there for Jemias Winston. Sims is what are you going off there? Sims. What are you going off there? Say that again. That's an edit. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going off of the playoff schedule, playoff, fantasy playoffs. We were looking at that earlier. So great playoff schedule. Excuse okay. me. <laughs> a little a little egg on my face there. But yeah. <laughs> no, but no, to be honest though, that, that just shows you how important that SOS is though, that where you can see the discrepancy on the Buccaneers for him, he was the last. But then when you come in and you look at the schedule, he's got a great schedule. So uh interest interesting that if he can uh, override a tough strength of schedule when it matters most, he's gonna be uh Winston's got Got a good deal in 14, yeah, 15, just, 16. Just to clarify, for the whole season, they are one at the running back easiest, fifth at the tight end, and then really hard. Uh, 32, 32 for quarterback and wide receiver. But like I said, they are top 10 across the board for uh, weeks 14 through 16, which is if you're playing in the correct league, that's that's your playoffs. Um, but I really love Sims regardless of this uh, format you're playing in. I did watch all of his snaps Amazing the, the 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 ability he has to have patience, but his head, his eyes, and his feet locked up like that. He can anticipate when a hole opens. He he flips his hips and gets there. Uh, very smooth runner. I was really impressed with him. And another one of my guys on that team is Mike Evans. I I agree. He's probably the only pass catcher I want to own. But really like what Mike Evans can do this year. All right, let's move on. Let's go to let's go to uh, let's go to Atlanta Falcons. Um, I like as I said, I got Julio Jones as my number one wide receiver right now. Can that change? Yeah, but uh, just love the guy, and um, I think Ryan's going to have the, the benefit benefit of a, a better season. Uh, two years, he was so used to that Smith 
mundane offense and everything that I think last year was a little bit tough for them as a team. Uh, with later on, why they don't know 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 why they don't want to seem to find a tight end or fill the tight end position. But at the end of the day, it's about the question: Is Coleman going to eat into Devonte? Uh, in Devontae's awesome season last year. That's my overview of it. Go, JJ. What are you guys hearing out of OTAs? What are you thinking? Mohamed Sanu, a legit number two? And, uh, like, I think... You think so? Did, you didn't hear the question mark through that entire question? No, no I know, <laughs> I know. I'm saying I know. Do you think so? Uh, NFL, maybe? Fantasy... Not even rosterable most weeks. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, I think he could be a legitimate number two in the fact that he can get open when not needed to, when he could, you know, when Julio Jones takes away two coverage options and Mohamed Sudu can run a simple route over the middle. Yeah, I think he's going to be decent, but he's he reminds me of a five for fifty guy all year next year. And that's just not a type of guy I want to own. I don't know if he has ability to do more. And then his ability, if he has to step up to the number one position, scares the crap out of me. Um, oh, jeez. Don't scare me. Don't scare me with Julio the going The thing down. is with who? If Julio goes down, that's the worst team in the league. That just shows you MVPs and reliability. That, that team is just so bad if Julio gets injured. I think, yeah. I think Matt Ryan could have a bit of a resurgence this year. He even came out recently and uh, said how much more comfortable he is with the Shanahan offense during this OTA versus last OTA. Uh, so having that year under his belt, I could see Ryan producing some better numbers there. Um, and Shanahan has done okay with, with folks once they've had some time to digest the system. So I, my hope is that Ryan is going to be a streamable guy this year, and I think he could be with that offense and his growing familiarity. The thing is, with Matt Ryan, even his greatest seasons weren't that great. And now that the NFL sort of pushed ahead in terms of a passing league, you know his numbers look even more minuscule in retrospect. So if he gets back to his career touchdowns averages of 27 touchdowns a season, he's still only going to be like quarterback 17, quarterback 18, and you're just not going to see a great value. He's not going to be a guy who suddenly becomes a, a top 12 option, or like last year where you almost had to drop him as a draft him as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, no, it's it, he's he's had a far a fall. A long fall from grace. I don't know what that statement is. A uh, far fall from grace, whatever. To think that that guy was a high, a top five, top six, seven quarterback for the last six years, and now Mo's talking about how he's going to be a great streamable quarterback. And I completely agree with you, buddy. He's, uh, but hopefully they can re- recreate that magic. Anything else to say about uh, Falcons? You want to talk about that competition? Is Coleman going to eat into? Uh, Freeman, is there any is there any news out of there? Could Hardy um, be worth the shit and make it so that Sanu is number three? There's there's really Could not an injury bring back Roddy White. <laughs> there's really not coming much coming out of Falcons camp so far. Uh, people are concerned about Tevin Coleman. I'm really not. Uh, I, I do I think he gets more carries than he got last season? Sure, but I think Devontae Freeman's 
workload is safe because of his ability to catch the ball. And this is a team that still passed it more than they ran it last year, and I don't see that changing. The one thing I love, and then let's move on unless we got something, Mo, is the news that came out a few weeks ago about how their concessions were going to be favorable. You're going to be able to get beers and food and go into the game, and I like that Arthur Blank's doing that. So if, if we're talking about OTAs and current news or news-ish, uh, a fact that a team isn't trying to gouge and have, I mean, I go to games. I go to baseball games. I go to NFL games. I go to basketball games. I go to hockey games. You walk home and you look at your receipts after these games, and it is four hundred dollar night because to buy a beer you gotta you gotta buy a round, and rounds are ninety bucks. You go with six seven guys, I get around. It's my round, ninety bucks. All right, let's get some food. Tickets are expensive as shit. I just like that the Falcons are planning, and it's hopefully the rest of the uh, NFL will, will make it more family friendly and not uh, the elite. Uh, just get a hot dog for four people to get a Coke or a beer or some popcorn. Like, make it reasonable. That's all I'm going to say. You guys got anything else on the Falcons? Why aren't they uh, drafting or trying to get any tight ends in? Nothing really on the tight end, but uh, just the fact that, you know, everybody talks uh, Freeman. I don't think he's going to have as quite a fantastic stretch as he did last year, although I believe he had 11 uh, top 10, or I'm sorry, top 12 performances. So ADP chart, which you get uh, with the Pyro Pro membership, had 11 top 12 performances last year and only playing 15 games. I don't think that's repeatable. Of course, Coleman is the guy uh, that that coaching staff drafted, but I really don't think it's going to too much adversely affect um, Freeman. Okay, so the thing is, they did draft the second highest tight end uh, in the draft, and Austin Hooper from Stanford, who is a big, big dude, who they expect big things from, but rookie tight end. Not looking forward to him in his first year. Uh, that's about it. Cool. Thanks for continually um, making me look like a butthole. Well, he's appreciate it. Down. But our but our readers but our readers do appreciate it. They're like this Newman guy holds the boat together, but it's it's held together by some electrical <laughs> tape. <laughs> All right, let's go on to Carolina Panthers. All right, second best is never good enough. Is is Cam hungry? Is the OTAs are they? Is the news we're hearing out of there that this team is ready to fire it up and get back to the Super Bowl? Or what are you guys thinking? I haven't heard too much OTA. The one thing I I will say though, uh, two things really I've got here. As far as Cam. He was just passing touchdowns at an impressive rate last year. In fact, his passing percentage led all quarterbacks with over 50 attempts, uh, 7.1. 7.1% of the time he threw a touchdown. The league average was 4.06. That's got to come down, you would think, a bit. I don't know if you can keep that clip up, but... uh, 
I, I love him. I'm never going to have him on my team because I don't think he. Uh, I don't think I'm going to invest in a quarterback that high. And I believe it was Dante Culpepper the last time a guy finished one and came back and was one again. And we're talking like 2002 or 2003 or something like that. Uh, so it rarely happens. Now the one thing I do think there is a steal there is Cameron Artis Payne. We're we're talking to the backup to an. Uh, or talking about the backup, to an oft-injured running back. And Artis Payne on Fantasy Football Calculator going in the 14th round right now. So, to, like that, yeah, like to that me, value. Uh, a um, guy uh, in Carolina, like Jonathan Stewart, oft-injured, you probably are going to need to back him up. And this is a great offense to do it because they're putting all kinds of points up on the board. And if you're putting up points on the board, a lot of times your running backs are going to score because you've got the lead usually. It's a positive game script. So it should have uh, equate to good things for the running back in Carolina. The thing is... Uh, I, I agree. Hold on. before Go ahead, Stags. And then after that, I'm going to throw something back at you, Stags. So the thing is, with Cameron Artis Payne, is he was inactive for nine games last season. So they thought they had three other running backs besides him that were better on a weekly basis. That just scares the crap. Like, if you can't make an NFL team on a weekly basis, if you're one of the four guys sitting, why should I believe is you as a fantasy option? Huh. Very interesting. Very interesting. Stag Party, well, the mention of what it takes or being a number one, uh... Give us a pyro promo a little bit right now on, on all the great content. We talked about the draft kit. Pyro Pro is a year-round thing. You buy it today. You don't just get it through the end of the season. You get it from you, – you'll be able – you'll have Pyro Pro for 40 bucks until Wednesday, June 23rd, if you're listening today on day one, and – of 2017 so check it out but tell us about all the content we've got going on and if you want you know allude to i i gave a broad stroke with archer and all that stuff but to talk about the content because we're in full gear we're the, between the news feeds which are just awesome right now but just tell us about the pyro free content we've got pyro pro content because there's some great stuff and um you know you're obviously uh, at, at the spear tip of most of it so Tell us about so right it. now for content, we're we're putting up random pieces that I think up when I'm bored and want to write about, and it's not 100 degrees while I'm podcasting. Um, <laughs> so one of the things we're working on is a Know Your Staff series. It's all about team tendencies, what they do all over the field, what they do in the red zone, how efficient they were running the ball, which directions they run the ball, you know, how often they use three wide receiver formations versus two tight end formations. Uh, you know, which players were the best at their positions in terms of fantasy points, how they scored points, were they a deep passing team or a short passing team? Uh, just everything you wanted to know about the team over the last couple of years, how they're sort of coached, that all goes into that. And then along with that, you know, today we released a note, uh, what does it take to be number one? Uh, it's an interesting piece just on being the number one player at your position over the last 16 years. It goes all the way back to the year 2000, and one of the most interesting things is quarterbacks the year after they finish number one usually regress by upwards of 20%. So if Cam loses you know, some touchdowns, which we expect because the average drop-off from that 7.1 
um, the touchdown rate is close to 5.6. So that's a big drop-off for a guy. Um, the, the regression happens, and it's easiest to happen to the players that are at the top of the wall. Um, one interesting stat is over the last 16 years, no wide receiver has finished more with more fantasy points in standard leagues the season after finishing number one. Like, so betting on Antonio Brown to suddenly score more points, that it could be tough for him to come, just as history says. And then other things, we've always got, you know, podcasts and uh, Pyro Podcast Lite going up on the site for free. Check it all out. And then if you like what's coming there, check out the Pyro Pro side because uh, we got more in-depth charts and in-depth write-ups and things that will be coming up to you, you know, as the season progresses. Yeah, uh, posting, um, was hoping to do it before the show tonight, but posting tomorrow um, a review of the targets, touches, and looks from 2015. But above and beyond that, while it's a chart that you can look, we'll have an option for you to download it so that you can use it on yourself and you can manipulate the stats and what whatnot yourself. So the resource toolbox on Pyro Pro is ridiculous, but also the one thing that just I think is the is, is the golden ticket on the reason for you to sign up for that. Other than all the awesomeness in our content, our news feeds, and putting in your players and the player rank, getting the, all the player rankings uh, for every position all the way through, is the fact that you're able to ask us a question and we answer. The second opinions is you sending us an email about your lineup, about an upcoming draft, about you've got your draft slot, what's the what's the issue, a week-to-week pickup question, in-season, anything you want. You ask us a question that either me, Mo, Stag Party, sometimes Dogmatica, uh, Houdini, but it's basically Stags is a big big time answer. Houdini's a big time answer in season. Pyromaniac Mo does an alright job at I answer and then people are like uh, can I get Stag's answer? <laughs> um, but the second opinions on Pyro Pro is ridiculous. Ask us a question. Even in some, some people are like yeah just I got a question the other day. It's like what's the best IPA out of Chicago? Yeah, you, great you can feel that type of stuff. And I, I want to challenge my adjective there. Does an all right job when you're referring to me. I, I'd like to make the listening audience aware that that is in reference to the amount of times in which I respond, not to the quality of response. Quality over quantity, and I, baby. And the one thing I will say is you are in there doing so many other things like news feeds in season. And one thing we got to mention on the Pyro Podcast Light, right now you're doing these fantasy football talks and all that, but in season you do a show Friday that gives all the updated news. We do our Pyro Heavy show, super long. You're more of a news. Mo, you don't need to be a second opinion guy. When you are, it's awesome, but you bring so many other things to the table. Any company that's going to be successful, if everyone's doing the same thing, not going to be successful. So I don't, I don't say that in any negative way. You're doing so many things for this company. It's awesome. 
you don't have to be doing the second opinions anymore than I'm you just giving you the business. But, yeah, like you say, on uh, Sunday, a lot of times I'm trying to get out news feeds, uh, who's starting, who's not. So we we got a great team to uh, get you to where you want to be, and that's the fantasy playoffs. So whether it's asking questions, uh, whether it's using the, the toolbox when Stags is putting all kinds of charts up there that you can use for fantasy dominance, uh, like I said, asking questions not only an IPA of your choice, but who to start, uh, the news feeds, who's active and like you say i do the fantasy football talks right now we're gonna probably start transitioning doing a little bit of the fantasy football talks but also doing a little bit of the show it kind of changes as to a pre-draft show and then once we get in our weekly gig we got some kind of set segments but really it's looking at uh you know the the practice reports from the week uh who's to start who are some waiver wire picks up pickups that you can get guys that are available in more than 50 percent of the leagues we do a little dfs segment and uh, uh all kinds of great stuff so uh we are continuing to grow and that's on the pyro light and the pyro heavy all of the information's available at pyromaniac.com awesome 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 uh one thing i'm trying to continually is make stags be a little bit bored because when stags is bored he's like all right what kind of chart am i going to come up with right now so basically i just need stags's girlfriend's number uh, and I just want to send her text back. Like, All right, here's a PayPal. You take your girls out tonight. Say it's a bachelorette party and that Stags got nothing to do and it's Friday night. Because Stags will sit there with his shirt off, the AC blowing, probably watching some Keeping Up with the Kardashians or some weird shit like that. And then he'll chopped. fucking be like, oh, I watch a lot of chopped. Hold on. <laughs> chopped. That's right. Chopped. You like those cooking shots. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, this is an awesome chart. That would be great. And then all of a sudden, I wake up the next morning, and my inbox is a Stag's new piece of content. Awesome. Oh, Pyro's the Stag's best. Stuff. You guys look great. It's fantastic stuff. On. But uh, did I miss a news feed? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stag's has a girlfriend? <laughs> Official? Yes. So, yeah. You can't swipe. You can't swipe right, or I don't know. I'm not familiar with this direction, but you, ladies can't swipe on Tinder for stags anymore. Nah, we're done with that game. Uh, back back no. to shocking. Uh, that is shocking. <laughs> I am shocked. The, the New Orleans Saints. Kobe Fleener was always open with the Indianapolis Colts. Quote unquote, Drew Brees. True or false? Well, for the you know what I, I don't know I don't care if it's true or false. I love the fact that his current true. quarterback is saying that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's good things. Drew Brees is like a tight end maven. Yeah. He's made plenty of tight ends, a lot of money, and he's going to continue to do so. And Kobe Fleener being that guy, you know, he's going in the seventh round of drafts now. I think that's best, best. Best guy you can get there in that round. Maybe. And what are we talking about? I think it's, a, I'm going off my head, either 171 or 177. Those two numbers stand out in my head. Vacated targets, let's say 170 plus uh, with yep. uh, Colston and with Watson. And I think that was all the two I factored. So with just those two guys. So uh, big slice of the pie opened up and like you say uh, Fleener could certainly see a lot of that. Breeze is just constantly the man and we we have that Houdini piece who does the uh, career year beware right and with uh, Breeze in the last four years he's really had 
a, a low in the last four years. So I think he's going to get some positive regression. And uh, I'm all over Drew Brees this year. I really like him as a, a top quarterback. With, no doubt about with it. With you on that. Let's uh, let's um. What any, oh. anything else? We, yeah, one thing from uh, OTAs yeah, I did on. here. You know, we we've got all these uh, the guys that are on the the pass catching squad for New Orleans. So obviously Fleener for the tight end, but Brandon Cooks, Sneed, who I really like, Coleman, and then they got the Michael Thomas from it's the Ohio State Michael Thomas. Uh, lots of talk about how Michael Thomas is fashioning uh, some chemistry with with Drew Brees. Uh, his old quarterback, Michael Thomas's old quarterback, said the same thing, that he's going to be right there at your hip. And, of course, that's what Brees is experiencing. And I've been wondering who the Michael Thomas acquisition or who the Michael Thomas draft is going to sort of be bad for. And recently from OTAs, I heard Coleman was the one that's on the outs. So I was concerned as sort of a Sneed owner or a, a believer in Fleener, but recently I've heard that Coleman might be the one uh, left without a chair with the Michael Thomas draft. That's just what I've heard from uh, beat writers down in Nolens. I don't think Brandon Coleman's very good. I just think he's very big. And, big. and that gives him a lot of leeway, apparently, that he doesn't necessarily deserve. The thing is with Michael Thomas is he took a while at Ohio State to learn the playbook. Uh, so if that's something that could sort of take time again in the NFL, it might be a, a slow starter. True. And let's just, let's just say that whatever Breeze says is going to be great about everyone because uh, he's a really nice guy. and Still trying to trying, get paid? He, <laughs> if he doesn't ever get paid again, He's been paid enough. No, man, you got to pay that guy. Got so much. He's worth every penny, but this is not a guy that hasn't had great contracts. He's at like two or three of them. God bless him. Um, anything else you want to say on um, New Orleans? Nope. I mean, no? All right. Let's move on then to the NFC West, and let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. Chip Kelly now in the in the situation there. There's a lot of points here that we can talk about, so let's get let's get going. The Niners. Yeah, there's a lot of different question marks for the 49ers going into the season. Did uh, you call them the 49ers? 49ers? Well, they're sort of a shitty team to own from right now. <laughs> so yes, I did. Uh, I've never heard of that before. That's actually <laughs> that's worth good uh, the 49ers. <laughs> the 49ers. Uh, but you know, you got Gabbert Kaepernick. You've got Carlos Hyde. Dot 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 Sean Drawn question mark uh, because he's a guy they're expecting to get a lot of run as a third down type back as a change of pace type back when maybe we thought Carlos Hyde was just going to have a giant workload there but you know late news is that Sean Drawn's going to be involved in this offense and then outside of Torrey Smith all the other pass catching weapons are question marks you got Quentin Patton you got Bruce Ellington you got DeAndre Smelter. And the tight ends are also question marks. Vance McDonald, Brent Selleck, Blake Bell. I still don't know why we still keep ranking Blake Bell so highly, though. Well, uh, some stuff I've heard out of OTAs, uh, everybody, you know, is on DeAndre Smelter. Of course, uh, according to Rotowire, uh, Patton is their number two on the depth chart, according to Rotowire. 
uh, Smelter is not looking good, or at least uh, in a recent report I read today that Smelter could be on the bubble. Although I'm seeing Smelter rated in uh, Fantasy Pros and these other things. I've got Patton as my number two there. Not sure I want to draft him. I do like Vance McDonald. Lots of talk about him, and he's rising. Stags, you and I are both up on um, Torrey Smith in a Chip Kelly offense. He represents a lot of value you can get. And you know me, man. I've always been down on Carlos Hyde. I looked at the amount of carries he's done in games. He's been given double-digit carries. He only averages uh, 3.8 yards per carry. Um and I don't think the game script is going to be there for him, honestly. We saw last year, game one, Minnesota, if you remember, looked great. That was the only game where they were really playing with the lead. And I think this team, with Blaine Gabbert charging out as the field general, are going to be playing from behind more often. Negative game script for Carlos Hyde, and yet another reason to like Torrey Smith. Garbage time and a Chip Kelly wide receiver, but down on Hyde, up on Torrey Smith, and even like an advanced McDonald for a sleeper. Yep, yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Got anything else on San Francisco? I mean, I, I really don't. I don't really, just that I'm surprised Colin Kaepernick hasn't done something better just because we saw him in all those NFC games. I think it was, what, three years? All those NFC championship games. I, I did kind of want to back him. I thought he would do something more than he's done. I was a little surprised at the I don't know, attitude, although he's had a great attitude change, seemingly, because he's got no other choice. I kind of thought at first as it's going to be a match made in heaven, Chip Kelly and Cabert, so er, and Kaepernick, a little surprised he didn't seize the reins, and it, it's really looking more like a Gabbert, which again, garbage time, uh, a, a, perhaps a reason to like Smith, but I was surprised Kaepernick didn't have a bit of a resurgence or didn't make a run for that one a little bit better. I mean, he he hasn't even played yet, so he he's not healthy. He needs to get healthy, and then we'll see what happens in training camp. So I guess he's still got a shot, but I'm done with the 49ers. I like that one. You got to trademark that one, buddy. I like that. I'm working on it. Let's turn our attention over to uh, the Cardinals, and uh, this is an offense that you know is one of the more stagnant from the year before. Not a lot of moving parts. A lot of things are exactly the same. And when you were the top offense in terms of fantasy points, Mm -hmm. that's usually a good thing. Continuity helps. Yeah, top uh, fantasy points. They were, uh, I think, top three, I want to say, as far as team scoring, um, total points, total total touchdowns. They put the points up on the board, and that's the power in numbers uh, that we like. Right where you've got so many guys to choose from, a bevy of wide receivers there, uh, great stable of running backs, uh, out of the two Johnsons, but uh, a couple other guys there. Not, not not really known for the tight end spot, but I want to own uh, some of these pieces from Arizona. Well, the to put to your point, points per game they were second in the league with. Uh, 30.6 points per game. Points allowed 7th. So this is a, just a pretty badass team. Uh, they only allowed 19.6 per game. So they've got a, over a 10-point advantage per game. Uh, yards per game, number 1. They, as an offense, they had 408 uh, yards per game. And uh, 
as yards allowed per game of defense, they were fifth. So this is just an awesome team that is here and today a Super Bowl caliber team. And as you said, Stacks, not many things changed. Hopefully Carson Palmer isn't going to be a interception machine, but God, I read an article today that with uh, Patrick Peterson mentioning uh, two players in his team that he thought were going to break out, and J.J. Nelson was one of them. So you add to those riches of literally the best wide receiver crew. You know, I said Jacksonville was number two. This is the best wide receiver crew, bar none, in the NFL. I mean, when you've got a Larry Fitzgerald, you've got a Floyd, and you've got a um, uh, who's my favorite guy from last year, the little guy, uh, John Brown. And you're adding JJ Nelson to the mix. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. You got. That's why I'm starting to realize why you guys both have Carson Palmer top six quarterback. Oh yeah. The injury is the big concern. If he can stay healthy, look at these options to go from. Ironically, all these guys are going about within the same round and a half, depending on who you talk to. Uh, most pundits, I think, have Michael Floyd up there first. I kind of like uh, Brown. Um, Maybe a little bit of regression for Fitzgerald. Didn't have as great of a second half of the season, but can't go wrong, and especially as the quarterback. He's got so many options. And what you brought up, second in points per game, 30.6, and seventh in points allowed, 19.6. That is an 11-point difference. Now, I know you can't always look to last year as a model for the next year, However, that defense is solid. The offense is solid. As Staggs said, uh, not much dynamic movement going on. Pretty much the same. That is great for David Johnson. You're talking positive game script. You want to be up, beating them by more than a touchdown. That's when you're going to give it to your running back, and that's when David Johnson can really uh, prove his worth as a top three pick, if you ask me. I don't remember when uh, the Honey Badger went down last year, but all these stats are with that guy missing a lot of time. And he's he's a top 25 player in the league. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, good, excellent point. And they've got such great defensive leaders. I mean, look at look at where Honey Badger was coming out of college. Now he gets under uh, the wing of a Peterson, some of those other leaders there. That is the the locker room I want to be in. You know, they're, they're winners there. If, and that, if any of you guys uh, need to, and then I'll, I'll shut up on it. I know that, Stags, you are actually up here where I'm recording right now at my lake house along with Dogmatica and maybe Houdini when uh, ESPN the magazine had Honey Badger on the cover and they had a cover story on the Honey Badger and how he, he got kicked out of LSU. He got kicked off that team. He was a addicted to marijuana and went through some hard times. If you're listening to this show and you like good stories, if you like Arizona, if you like LSU, if you like Honey Badger, Tyra Mathow, uh, check out this story. ESPN cover story, the year that he came out of the NFL draft, which I think this will be his fourth year. Um, That is an awesome, awesome long article that just showed family art, family quotes and all this stuff. When he got kicked off the team at LSU, it was a dark, dark time for this guy. And uh, now he's, like I said, I think he's one of the best players in the league. Absolutely. Yeah, huge cog in that defense. And um, I think good things to come. Power numbers is the team there in Arizona. You got anything else on these guys, Stags? 
Alright, let's go to Los Angeles Rams and Mr. Party. You're gonna start because I see something here from a Mr. Uh, a Mr. about a Mr. Goff. Oh, word is on Jared Goff that he might not be ready for Week One. He's just not grasping the playbook. They're not seeing what they like out of his arm. But at this point, he spent all the draft capital on him. As bad as he might be week one, you got to get him in there. Let him get his lumps. You're not going to throw Case Keenum in there as your starting quarterback, even though the thing is they're talking about contract extensions for Jeff Fisher. And I just want to throw myself off a roof when I say that sentence. Can I be honest? (laughs) That's pretty hilarious. It's crazy. But have you guys seen Goff without the pads on playing in the red jersey, number 16? Have you seen? This guy is the skinniest quarterback in the league. Yeah. I mean, this is not a, this is a guy that literally has a flat chest. When I was a freshman in college and I literally weighed no nothing and I was everyone would be like, dude, you need to eat more food. I had no chest. It was straight. This is an NFL athlete that people trade – He's the first pick in the draft. This is going to be a bust of a pick. I'm calling it now. This guy, I don't know. He just, he doesn't look like an athlete. He is the skinniest guy. He looks like the skinniest dude I've ever seen. Next to Case Keenum, Case Keenum looks like he's an MMA fighter. (laughs) Tom Brady used to be that way, though. Tom Brady used to be a stick figure. Uh but he was tall. On, he was big. He was big. Yeah, though. he was tall. He's bigger. He was tall. He, what, He's six five. This guy's only like six three, six, right? Four. Is he? All right. When I saw the picture of him, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's a fucking athlete." Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to hate. He's first pick. I'm wrong all the well, time. Let's let's talk game script here, and that's such a. Precursor, I think, to good fantasy production, especially when you're looking at Vegas and, and trying to match it up, you know, uh, yards per game. We just got off the Cardinals, uh, 408 yards per game. Bottom of the list, 297.6. Didn't only team to not put up 300 yards per game. I just said Arizona Cardinals, power and numbers. You want to own a bunch? It, polar opposite is the Rams. Rams, fourth worst in points per game, 17 And another one in uh, scrimmage, plays from scrimmage, which I think bodes well for looking for a running back. Again, we're talking Lamar Miller, talking Ryan Matthews. Those two teams ran the ball, or I'm sorry, those two teams had the most plays last year. Uh, 11.27 for Houston, 11.02 for Philly. Once again, down at the bottom, 32nd St. Louis Rams. The the pie is smaller there. You're you're not going to get the yards. You're not going to get the production. Uh, Outside of Gurley, long shot with Kendricks. But outside of Gurley, I'm not paying attention to anybody there. Well, Verde, Staggs, you're you're cracking me up. The energy from Staggs is amazing. I'm trying not to pass out in the last couple minutes of the show. He's got the vapors. It's hot. Uh, I will not touch anybody else on the Los Angeles Rams outside of Todd Gurley. Um, game script, things we've talked about. He's play, they play at the slowest pace in the league. They, they pretty much call one less game worth of plays than any other team in the league. So, you know, think about it. You know, your running back's missing 20 carries. Your receivers are missing 32. 
thirty plus passing plays, give or take. Like that's that's a lot of plays to be missing. Um, outside of that, you know, Kenny Britt, he's still only twenty seven years old, but he's never put it together for a full season. You know, Brian Quick has shown flashes, but also never put it together for a full season. Tavon Austin, he's got he's got some things to like about his game. Um, the, oh, the real hype about Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin's yeah, gonna catch a hundred passes this season. That's why I was raising my hand. Your your favorite coach Fisher's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it's Tavon Austin at a hundred catches and. They're gonna give him thirty carries. So right now, Tavon Austin is 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 in coach speak, and someone I'm gonna keep an eye on. I like the value I'm I'm seeing out of him. Uh, Houdini's been a big fan for a while, but he's gonna be a a, a touch and target maven. Uh, Tavon Austin, we'll see. I mean, I can't disagree with that. He sort of was last year because uh, he had 104 total touches, but great. He, I mean, he needs to get more. If he's in the 75 catches and he keeps his rushing the same with, like, 50 rushes, he could be highly valuable. But his just week-to-week sort of scoring discrepancy, it makes him hard to slot near a lineup. Yeah. I agree. It, I think I'm. there's no way I'm, to be honest, Gurley, I know he's great talent. I've, I've got him as high first tier like everybody else. I and I, I I don't I hope he has a good season. I like the guy a lot, but Gurley's not going to be on any of my teams. Yeah, I, I I'm not. I'm just I I I think he could have a great season, but that team you're going to have to use the top five pick on him. Eh, I'm going I'm going to stay away from that one. I'm going wide receiver. I will say for Gurley, like Let's, I said, the only guy I want to own. I, I'm probably not going to own him either. Only played 13 games, though. Ten games. He was inside uh, TPW. That's one of the charts you can get in the Pyro Pro. Uh, top position in weeks. He was six at uh, running back one, six weeks. And I'm working on the uh, RB2 right now. Had four weeks at RB2. So we're talking 10 of 13. He was within the top 24 point scores for your running back position. That's, that's pretty solid coming from that offense. Question for you, Mo, for Pyro Pro members and to help inspire other people to become so. Uh, so you're doing the top positional weeks, um, wide QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end two. Is that where you're ending it, or are you going to do a three at some point down no, the road I think as well? I mean, honestly, I'm, gonna do, I'm only doing uh, running back and wide receiver because in most leagues you're going to start two running backs, you're yeah. going to start two wide receivers. I, I'm keeping it to uh, – one so top twelve for tight end, top twelve for quarterback. Because usually you're starting one of yeah, those. Two that makes positions. sense. That makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, cool. Let's um let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. And if Stag Party makes it through this show, I know it's that Stag Party. We're gonna press unrecorded. Like I love you guys. And Stag, he's jumping in a cold it's shower. It's like you know if we were just doing the chat, we did we didn't get to see it. We it would just be like guys. I don't think I'm gonna be. A, Purple, yellow, Z, and then just Z, where his head hit the keyboard. <laughs> oh, I love this stuff. This is actually a great software. I like Zencaster. I want to, I want to hear the end result. But this is, this is kind of fun. We're on Skype. We're seeing each other. We're doing this. We're in, uh, we're probably two, one hundred and fifteen 
miles away from each each of each other while we're recording the show. And uh, yet we're still able to drop the fantasy football knowledge, give you the fantasy goo. And I think overall this show, as we come down to our last team of the show, I think this has been a very successful one. Uh, love talking fantasy football with yeah. you guys. Seattle Seahawks. I was just going to say, this is is a cool time to do these kind of shows because uh, OTAs are done. We're we're about to hit the the great time to really pay attention to this stuff is once training camps start. But now we really get to to kind of slow down, absorb, uh, analyze some of the stuff we've put together before it just kicks in full blast, baby. Absolutely. Stag party. I I decided I'm going to get you one of those little, like, uh, headbands that's got a fan on it. I'm gonna send it to you for future shows, and then when you mute the camp, mute your uh, mic from there. You can just press a little button on the side and get a quick, quick little spitz. We're getting one of those for Dude, you, Dude, the thing is, this it's is, only. 70- I wish I had video of this. I wish this was a blab right now, because Stags is literally about to pass out. The thing is, like, you know, it's only like 74 degrees here today, but it's like humid as shit, and I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, ah. Uh, uh-huh. So Russell Wilson really like Danger <laughs> Russell Wilson. Uh, Danger. I mean, besides that, I'm not gonna own many of their weapons. Can I be honest? I thought that email uh, handle was dang. The whole time I thought it was. I, I, re- I read an article this week that I realized it's Danger. Danger. Watch uh, yourself. I always thought it was dang. I'm Wilson. Danger. Uh, Watch yourself. It's good. <laughs> What do you, oh, I like this energy. All of a sudden, Stag Party's got something going on. Let's do it. What do you think? And, I think, um, uh, I think, let's talk about I think the, he, Stags uh, has gotten to the hallucination part of, uh, of the heat stroke, <laughs> so we're, we're in for a good ride. But uh, I, I really love Russell Wilson. He, I think he's going to be fantastic. This offense is really interesting to see what's going to happen. Are they going to come back to the run, or are they going to uh, let it off the hook? You know, one thing I think is interesting I looked at, and I know I've said this one before, but I want to say there was 11 guys that had good hands for the long ball. And I mean, out of guys that had 50 targets or more, there was 11 guys that had a 70% catch rate and then had an average depth of target beyond 10 yards. Three of them, three of the 11 come from Seattle. That is an offense that is, one, they've, they've drafted great, they've got excellent wide receivers with hands and they push it down the field uh so if you're in big touchdown leagues that's something to consider and a guy if you're in a um a uh, special teams league a guy like lockett special teams are not lots of hype about him coming out from otas i think he's going to make a big step next year lord knows we got to talk regression with baldwin scoring 14 of his 29 career touchdowns last year and I want there was like what seven of them came in the last third of the season or something. Uh, Got to be some regression there. That's going to open the door for Lockett if you ask like, me. Like like three fifth three fifths of them happened in three games. Yeah, it, not sustainable. Not going to happen again. But but a question I've got about Lockett and you know obviously I think people are high on him. He's a talent. I I, I like him a lot. But don't. Doesn't once you be once you become a wide receiver one, which I think a lot of us believe that Lockett Tyler Lockett's the one almost over a Doug Baldwin. Don't you stop doing 
special teams work. I know they drafted. Antonio Brown still does. They moved up. Yeah, but that's it, stupid. To be honest, it's dumb. I hear you, but are you going to be able to tell some of these guys my ball mentality? Some of these guys not to do it. Yeah. Hey, Lockett. Lockett, you want a contract? You want your next contract to be a, a five or six year for the sixty-five, seventy million dollar deal, or do you want to have a knee injury on a punt return? That's all you got to say. All I, right. I hear you. I mean, uh, let's get Paul Richardson on punts and I hear kick you, returns. But, oh, okay. But look at it from a team perspective. Lockett last year, Rotowire, 852 yards on the kick return game in a touchdown, 379 yards on the punt return game in a touchdown. So you start predicting injuries, and then I'll, as Bill Belichick says, and I'll start setting my lineup accordingly. But if I got a guy that can do that on special teams, why not? I agree with you. I agree with you. At some point, though, yeah. it kind of you jump the, sh- you become a positional player and not a special teamer. We saw it, and it's the reason why uh, Hester is pretty much out of the league. Uh, he, the minute he became a skilled player and not just a pure returner, it, it, it changed. So, I haven't heard I of any change for Lockett. So just for for those of you that have those leagues, know your league. Uh, that, that awards yeah. you special teams points. Lockett's one of those guys that's going to boost up in your rankings a bit, and OTAs, they're talking about him as a guy that's going to take a big step forward next year in his second year in the league, uh, age 22 right now, will be 23 next year. A lot of good stuff for him. 23. Stags, give us some of your thoughts on your, uh, your two uh, entry points for this team, and uh, I think we're pretty close to shutting this party down. This has been a good show. Not sure I have multiple entry points with this team. <laughs> I think I've just got one. I, the only way I want to be in is uh, through Russell Wilson. I do like Tyler Lockett, but you know I think he's going to be slightly overdrafted. Uh, I think Doug Baldwin's going to regress. You know, I I think he's a thousand yard receiver, sure, but I think he's just around a thousand yard receiver, and his career touchdown rates like five or six a season. So, yeah, I think he's right in that range. So he's a solid wide receiver three. Um, besides that, you know, Lockett, you know, depending on if they said Tyler Lockett's a starter for us. He's more, much more than just a special teamer. But still, this is a guy who's bo- mostly going to be a, a long touchdown guy. But this guy runs so many different routes that it's exciting. But I'm also sort of in on Jimmy Graham. Uh, Jimmy Graham, they're saying he's going to be back by week one. And just buying in, he got 23% of the target share while he was healthy last season. And, you know, with Doug Baldwin also there and all these other guys there, he still got the vast majority of targets when healthy last year. And maybe it changes a little bit, but I still think he's a tight end with 20% of the market share, uh, the target share. So he's going to get plenty of work should he be healthy week one. The guy I'm most concerned about is Thomas Rawls. If they're saying... Jimmy Graham's going to be back before Thomas Rawls. That that concerns me a little bit, you know, with the, their type of injuries each of them had. Yeah, and then the last thing I'll, I'll just say, go, go ahead, Mo. And last thing I'll say for you, Stags, it seems like you're a ProSize guy. I know Mo likes ProSize because it's a Notre, Notre Dame dude. Um, Yes, yeah, a lot, a lot of moving parts there in, in in Seattle that probably make for a team that could reach the Super Bowl again. But for fantasy football, there's a lot of like, 
other than Dane, Danger, whatever you call, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns there. Running back situation, yes, you know, undrafted free agent with Rawls uh, spent a high capital pick. I want to say, th- uh, can't remember. One was third precise. Third round. Third okay, round. I was going to say third. third. Uh, so you know they're more heavily invested in him, but hell, they got three rookies there. I I, I don't think they're going to carry all three. They might have even. Is it three rookies they had? But lots of question marks in the running back game. I will say, though, as much as I love Lockett, looking at my uh, fantasy football calculator PPR, seventh round, and this is a reason why I'm not totally on board with the zero RB. I'm more with the do the opposite, where you're going to kind of go opposite of what people are drafting in the first couple rounds. Definitely want wide receiver, but I'm going to lock up a running back, too. Why? Because Round seven, just listen to some of these guys in PPR wide receivers you can get round seven. Uh, Kevin White, now maybe news is not good coming out of OTAs, but then you've got John Brown, Dante Moncrief, I love him, Tyler Lockett, just beyond that you've got Steve Smith, uh, DGB, real value there, seventh, eighth round. So we always say go wide receiver early and often. There's a caveat there. You got to lock up a couple running backs, have some balance because they're um, you plot out your draft. There's some great picks there, seventh, eighth round PPR to come. So don't uh, pass on those wide receivers. All right, guys. I love you. Fantasy football pyro podcast. We took too long off. You know how we do this. When we take a little bit of time off, we make up for it swiftly. So uh, we will have a week the way that Mo's been doing it the last 10 days where we just drop down and give you just too much fantasy goo and uh, and fantasy football knowledge. And we're going to make up for that little lag that we had. Uh, But, again, Mo, love you for your Pyro Podcast light and what you bring to the table on that. The content that we're doing on our site's wicked. Stag Party, thank you so much for being my uh, sidekick on project management. But just you own up so much stuff on Pyro. Uh, This company is really, truly run. Me and you side by side. You bring so much to the table on that. And... I don't want you to die, so we gotta we gotta we gotta have this show end because you know I just want you to stick around so we keep doing this together. At the end of the day, guys, Pyros, we don't quit for you because what we're gonna do if you're new to us, we're gonna bring you a championship this year. If you fuck up a little bit, we'll give you a runner up. But if you're old to us, you've been winning. You've been winning championships, and you've been uh, respecting the different outlooks and the different mind share that we have. And we don't mess around, and we try and have a good time. This is fantasy football. Let's be entertaining. Let's have fun. Pyros. This is D Rex saying good night. I'll let Houdini. I mean uh, Mo, and I'll let uh, Stag Party say good night. And uh, we love you. And on the outside, the last. The music we're going to hear on the way out, the Rolling Stones off Let It Bleed, the song Let It Bleed. Well, I'm just going to say real quick as my sign off, this is Pyromaniac Mo. Now, this is my fifth Pyro podcast in the last 13 days, baby. 
So uh, I'm in this sucker, and I, I love it. Sign me up for uh, number six. So uh, good stuff is happening at Pyro. And check out all the stuff we've been talking about, the draft kit, uh, the Pyro Pro, some of the pieces we're putting up there. All of it's available on pyromaniac.com. If you're new to us from Blog Talk Radio, welcome. Spread the word, and, you know, we do for you in fantasy. You do for us over on iTunes or wherever you get your pods. Leave us a review. Uh, spread the karma in the good love spreaker stitcher we're there we're on google play android whatever stag party give your sign out give a high five i love you guys shut it down we'll roll it out let it bleed goodbye Mm -hmm.